Friends, listeners, podcasters, lend me your ears. Welcome to Tom Talks Alive, everybody. I'm your host, Heath, as always, and I've got a great crew with me today to talk about bugs and swarms and collaborations and underground podcasts and who knows what else. Uh, of course, I'm joined by the GM of Southern Tom Foolery, a man I consider a brother and a mentor in life and in nerdiness. I'm talking about Mr. Adam Kelly. What's up, buddy? Hey, what's happening? How you doing, man? I'm good, man. Look at that tracksuit, dude. <laughs> Who is this guy over here? I've developed a recent interest in tracksuits, so I bought one, and <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'll wear it on Tom Talks. And now I'm regretting it, because I'm sweating profusely. <laughs> uh, but yeah, how are you doing? You having a good day? I am. It was a nice, chill day at work. Um, got a nice little bit of soft rain, some soft thunder coming in, which will help cool off things, and... Good day. Nice. Well, I'm also, as always, joined by the producer here at Tom Talks Alive, an absolute sweetheart of a man with a mustache as immaculate as his jokes are corny. And I'm talking about Josh Richards. What's hey, up? Hey. No video for me this time, uh, at least not until the listener questions at the end. But uh, yeah, it's good to be here, man. Yeah, glad to have you. He's just going to be hanging out, lurking in the background till we call on him. Mm -hmm. You might hear... I guarantee you'll hear a corny joke or two just from the ether, you know, <laughs> the disembodied <laughs> voice of, of Josh <laughs> and his corny jokes. Well, as much as I love you two numbskulls, I'm super excited about our other two guests. Uh, it's the Ides of March, an ominous day historically, what with the assassination of Julius Caesar, you know, a few years back. Uh, which just feels really appropriate for the GM of our favorite ominous horror-based actual play, The Hideous Laughter Podcast. We've got a wonderful person, a great late-night drinking buddy, and an all-around bad influence on me personally. Uh, it's Griffin Norman. What's up, buddy? Hey, man. Cheers. Cheers. Glad uh, to be we'll, here. We'll... Thanks for having us. Yeah. Been, been waiting till I could get you guys on the Tom Talks. Uh, we had to get the STFU thing out of the way first. Yeah, I know. It feels special to, getting, to do, getting to be on both shows. Yeah, yeah, well, we had to do the formal one. And now you can <laughs> cut loose a little bit. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. I mean, well, I'm drinking. I, I'm, I would imagine. Uh, alongside him, also from the Hideous Laughter podcast. Well, you, you know what, Steve? I'll just let you introduce yourself. Hi, everybody. Steve here from the Hideous Laughter Podcast. I play Matumbe and Saw on the show. Comstock Paddywhacker behind the scenes on that Patreon. And you know me from Hideous Tom Foolery playing a little Cora 6 Natasi, everyone's favorite Android meta healer. Woo! Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Don't sell uh, yourself so short, bud. You're a GM, too. I am also a recent GM now, so I grew up finally. Um, GM in a little uh, adventure we call No Response from Deepmar Beyond that Patreon. Woo. Oh, that's awesome. It's good how, stuff. I, well, I was going to ask how you like the GM and thing, but we'll get to it in a minute. Um, so before we jump into our witty banter, I've got to take the only opportunity I'll probably ever have to ask, Griff, what are you drinking? My friend, I'm drinking a Vizzy Strawberry Kiwi. It's going down so smooth. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean... God, I hope your transitions are on point. That's all I'm saying. Well, we'll try. Uh, speaking of somebody who's not on point, uh, Adam Kelly, what are you drinking? Uh, uh, I take umbrage to that, uh, but that's okay. I'm drinking a Newton's Folly semi-dry cider. I've had it before. It's it's one of my favorites. So, okay, 
Well, feeling, feeling pretty, pretty dry in my mouth right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna skip that one and go oh, back. Oh, come on! This is so You gotta commit, Heath. I, I don't, I'm not entirely sure how to commit to that one. Um, you did say the word favorite though. One of my favorite people is Josh. So, Josh, what are you drinking? <laughs> Steve got burned. Oh, come on. Uh, I've got uh, one of the new truly iced teas right now. It's pretty good. Oh, I didn't know that was a thing. How do it they is. stack up versus the lemonades? Uh, not as sweet as the lemonade, but still delicious. I mean, it tastes like whatever fruited iced tea. Like this is a strawberry tea and it tastes like strawberry tea. Only weird thing is it's uh, still a seltzer, so it still has the bubbles, which is mm. kind of weird for tea. But, you know. It's good. How, how is it sweet? Like, I mean, to I what mean, degree a of sweet bit. is it? It's not like full on southern sweet tea. You know, it's not. You, you can't see the syrup, the you know, the sugar water swirling around in it. But uh, I mean, it's sweet enough. It's not quite as sweet as the lemonades, but it's still better than the the standard ones. Well, speaking of someone who's just sweet enough, there it is, Steve. What you drinking? Hey, buddy. I'm drinking a beer from a brewery called Around the Bend. It is called a Vixen. It is a cinnamon pistachio beer. And it's quite Cinnamon good. pistachio? Yeah. Ooh. It's a uh, cream ale. Hmm. How Cin- is that? How is that? I- oh, I think it's great. I love it. Hmm. Yeah. It makes me think of self-love. Come on, come on, Heath. You got, you got, you know, got to show myself like, some self love. Here's what I'm drinking. I'm trying to help you out, brother. But I hate myself. Oh. Um, <laughs> no. Speaking of self love, uh, I went and got, in honor of our Attack of the Swarm campaign that we play together, I got an Invasion Tropical Pale Ale from Cigar City. Nice, nice, nice. Like that. That's good. Griff, how did he do on, on the what you drinking intros? Well, how'd you, how would you rate him? Um, I'd give him a, uh, give him a red fish out of five fish, probably. Makes sense. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'm with it. Middle of the road. <laughs> you, I mean, okay. you, you need a little bit more practice. I think, I think that's what it is. It's a really, it's a really intensive thing. You got to get practice before you Yeah. Can, yeah. And like, I mean, I'm, I'm brand new at it. Uh, <laughs> toss you into a live show to do mm-hmm. it right on the spot. I mean, that's tough. I can edit mine <laughs> yeah. out. MP term is like uh, 48 out of 55 question marks or perhaps more of a dirty 30. I think it's more of a dirty 30. More of a dirty 30, probably. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Uh, Well, we're going to move into our segment shortly. But first, I just wanted to kind of check in with with you guys. Uh, How you guys doing? What's been new? Have you been listening to or watching or playing anything cool lately of note? Yeah, man. I uh, I've been playing a little game called Serlim Ultimate, which I'll shout it out here too. It's a monster taming game. It's limitless, so it never ends. It's fully procedurally generated dungeons. It just hit early access this weekend, and uh, I've played there. It's the fourth game in the series. I played all three games leading up to it, and I was really excited for it to come out. And uh, it's exceeding my expectations already. So I recommend it if you like. Maybe, I guess I would call it like Pokemon with a little bit more depth. Okay, I, yeah, when you said monster taming, I was like, is that like a, a Pokemon thing or like more of a, a brutal kind of monster? 
It's kind of like thing. a Pokemon thing, but you get to use your entire team at the same time. So oh, it's like a okay. 6v6 instead of a 1v1. Oh, nice. Uh, it, well, I mean, I'm glad you're enjoying that. I had never heard of that series, uh, but it sounds like something I would definitely enjoy. <laughs> yeah, especially if you like like 16-bit graphics. It, it obviously isn't like polished like the new Pokemon games, but it's, right. it's nice and retro if you like that kind of thing. Okay. Nice. Josh does. Yeah, I know. I yes, know I that's do. in Josh's wheelhouse. <laughs> uh, it, well, I guess I'll uh, go ahead and jump in. I've been doing a, a lot of like random stuff. I guess uh, they put the Final Fantasy VII remake on for free on PS Plus, so I got that and I started playing it. But the thing is, I never played the original Final Fantasy VII, so it's like a completely new experience, which I'm also like, I'm excited and it's awesome that I have the opportunity, but already the little bit that I've played, I've had to like message Zach and be like, I don't understand (laughs) the timeline and like what's, what's going on here. So I've Um, also never played a final fantasy game. Do you, do you feel that that remake is like a good intro point into the series or does it feel like super dated? I'm getting a hard no from Josh. (laughs) So here's, here's the thing. And I'm trying trying to stay out of spoiler territory. It is not a one-to-one remake. It is... Uh, you could easily go in and enjoy it from the start without having played one before. Mm-hmm. But you may it may not have the same impact as if you had played the original. Well, but that that's... Well, I mean, that's because the whole of, thing is, is he hasn't played the original, that they right, but he hasn't played the original, so he, the changes mean nothing to him. But know? they do in this they, one. It's I, I, without spoiling it, like it's, it almost like assumes that you've played the original. Oh, okay. that's so it does. So it does. Like, so some of the changes are like story related. To, it's like yeah. fan service changes. Right? It, I love fan service again. Well, not yeah, even but not when you're <laughs> when you're not, not trying to spoil it, but. Uh, not That's trying it. to spoil anything for it, but yeah, it, it, it's the changes are. It's not just like you know remaster of a game. It's like oh, we're going to change bits and pieces here and there. There are changes that like it's that the game itself is aware of that the player should know. I know that sounds kind of cryptic and confusing, but no, that makes a little bit of sense though. Yeah, well, uh, and I mean, considering I've been playing it like that, that is definitely the case, and I I will say. I am enjoying it. The combat's really cool, and I'm, I'm still in the process of figuring it out. But it's like a good balance of fast-paced, like hack and slashy type combat with some tactical elements as well. And I mean, I'm interested to see how the story progresses, and I, and I've enjoyed it so far. But there there are some elements that I was like, okay, wait, this doesn't make sense to me at all. So I just hit up somebody who I know loves that game and can explain to me like what what i'm missing so i'd say in that regard no it's not a good entry into the final fantasy like thing Um, i don't know what really is though because you get the you get the classic gist of final fantasy from the older games but unless you like retro games the older games are super dated at this point and they've Mm -hmm. been remade and they're still dated they were like remade on the game boy advance dear god (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean and but like I think they re- did they remake 12 or 10 they, they, 12? They, they did a I recently found out they did a remake of 12 and changed some things up as far as like the skill trees and stuff that made mm-hmm. it 
that that polished up a couple of the problems I had with that game. That said, I would say 12 is probably a pretty decent entry point into the series because it's got fairly modern graphics. You know, it came out like on the on the PS3. I think it was an early PS3 release. Um, oh, it was the end of two. Yeah, yeah. I think it was the end. It's of- it's oh, right wow. at the end of PS2. Yeah. Also, I turned my video on because Final Fantasy is like much. <laughs> I had I had to get yeah, in on you this. Drew, you you couldn't, you couldn't you stay did, away. Couldn't stay away. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, Josh, I mean, you seem into it. What would you say is like an intro point to the series at this point? I'd say at this point, a good intro would probably be either ten or twelve. Um, ten is different theme wise or uh setting wise than the other ones but the combat system in my opinion is the best that the the game has been period um 12 is great if you like uh some star wars with your fantasy here's the thing <laughs> i do what's the thing i uh, do, do like that a it's lot. a huge star wars okay fan. yeah well i mean the the story for 12 is essentially star wars like it's it's yeah. so much that with the empire and like a rebellion trying to fight against them and stuff. It's it's very much and some of the enemies have uh, like the the judge characters of the enemies have a very strong like imperial almost like Darth Vader esque vibe to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and, it's and the character the good the like good guy characters in that game are all really like iconic cool characters too. Mm-hmm. I lo- 12 holds a sweet spot in my heart. Like, I love 12, even though I have a couple of gripes with it. I'd say um, if you want the, the classic feel, though, go for 9. Because it has that whimsical, super fantasy style, like, the, the incredibly unique Final Fantasy style, even if it is a little bit, I guess, childish in design at it's times. A, it's like a little more design. cartoony, for this sure. This be a controversial opinion. I think if you want to get into the Final Fantasy style of games, you should play Dragon Quest Eleven on the Switch. Yes, yeah, actually, <laughs> yeah. that's not a bad. I mean, like bad, the uh, the intro. story arc is very similar to the early Final Fantasy games too, and combat systems very close to ten. Yeah, so. exactly. Oh, uh, aren't you glad you asked, Steve? <laughs> right. All right, I think I think now now if I don't get this off my chest, I may never. I was just asking to be polite. <laughs> well, I, well, look, I, I, I knew there I was do. a remake. I wanted to know if it was something you could get into or easy. And now we're I talking t- about fucking Dragon Quest Eleven well, you need or whatever. To play, you need to play seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve, and then play Dragon Quest. Yeah. Well. I don't kind of have a good idea what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Then you'll that, be into no, Final Fantasy. I'm giving you guys a hard time. It, that is a series that I am actually interested in checking out one day, but I just am curious if the boat has missed me entirely or if I could potentially get nah. into it. No, nah, not at all. I will say I, I don't want Bippy's comment to be passed up to completely sell you on 12. One of your party members is a tall, sexy bunny girl. So There you go. There Sold you go. Them. All right, I got to go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll finish this up some other time. <laughs> go play 12. I pre- appreciate you being here have a good one <laughs> um but yeah i also um i've been i had okay i gotta be honest get something off my chest i had never read the entirety of the lord of the rings i read the fellowship and i read the hobbit like four times so i i got all of them on audible on, on sale so that's my like project now that i finished the stormlight archives it's like i'm i'm in uh i'm halfway through fellowship now and i've done the hobbit and half of fellowship and i'm gonna do them all in one run nice so nice. finally knocked that off my bucket list 
Um, and then like the most random thing I think is when I was like scrolling through stuff, kind of getting prepped for this yesterday, YouTube's algorithm just hit me with some Ace of Base. And I don't know if you're familiar with that Swedish pop group from the early nineties. I've seen the sign, but uh, thank you. (laughs) But Ace of Base fucking slaps, dude. Like I had forgotten about Ace of Base and like, I, I was like, all right, I'll do this. And when I think it was the sign was the first one. And I was like flooded with nostalgia of being like eight years old and and remembered that that was like my mom's favorite band like in the 90s was ace of bass just if you're not familiar go listen to like the top three or four songs of ace of bass they've got a weird like swedish pop mixed with like digital reggae kind of vibe Oh, sell them on the Ace of Base. Come here for the good music recs, folks. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's what happens when, uh, you know, several of us have played music together. Yeah. Um, And then obviously, you know, it's funny. These things always come like right around a special occasion or like a holiday or whatever. Like today is the Ides of March, you know, and I always like to make cheeky little jokes or whatever. But then I thought about it. I was like, damn it. The Ides of March is this like ominous, like bad stuff is coming. And Drew Brees retired, like announced his retirement right, (laughs) right at the Ides of March. So like, that's where my heart's at. But my head's here with you guys. I mean, well, we appreciate we you being both. honest with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we need both. We need to let Drew Brees go. He did his time. <laughs> he, he, did. Let him he did. I don't want to let him go. Um, no, it'll be fine. He had a fantastic career. But it is like, it's a big deal. It's the changing of the guard. Uh, Adam, what are, what have you been doing? You been doing any fun stuff? Or you just been completely consumed with STFCon? Um, no, I, I will say that, um, on Friday, I got to play live music in front of an audience in New Orleans again for the first time since March of last year. So wow, that was really awesome. We moved into phase three to where you can have live music in a bar. Obviously there's still restrictions in place. Everybody still has to wear a mask, limited capacity, all that kind of thing. But, uh, it was it was nice. It was nice to play music in within the city of New Orleans again. Um and so that I did get to do that. Uh but yeah, all the other time has been pretty tied up with getting everything's ready for STFCon, so nice. We'll we'll talk about STFCon a little more uh later in the show. Um but yeah, I you know, I just wanted to check in with you guys cuz we're all friends and and we uh I don't know if, you know, everybody realizes like we do record together the hideous laughter thing but it's like just whenever we can you know there might be huge Mm -hmm. chunks of time where we don't and then we knock out three or four to like get a chunk put out so uh for one it's just good to see you guys truly truly yeah it's good (laughs) to be here i mean all right I, i i miss our monday nights together it's been too long they don't happen as often as they as they used to it's surprising yeah. that we're still through two books. <laughs> Who did yeah. it? It's setting the yeah. land speed record through this AP. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll be done in no time. Uh, all right. So all, all that aside, it's time to sh- start the show proper, uh, th- you know, 30 minutes later. Uh, and on Tom Talks Alive, we generally start with STF News and kind of the month in, month in review. Uh, but since you guys also have a podcast that's near and dear to our hearts, uh, we can take turns and do kind of STF news and month in review, and then you guys can update us and the listeners about the goings-on in Hideous Laughter Land. Sure. Sound good? Yeah. I love that idea, Heath. 
Okay. Thank you. I'm glad you do. We got a uh, lot of plugs. <laughs> Plug <laughs> away, my man. Plug yeah. away. Uh, so, as I said, STFCon has pretty much dominated the Discord and the community for us lately. So, and that's coming up soon. So, yeah. uh, you know, we talked a good bit about it in the last one, but um, I guess let's the the state of STFCon right now. Where are we at with it? it We're at thirty completed tables. Uh, that, you know, just like twenty nine if you're not counting the ones that I'm running for just the STF crew, but thirty. 30 tables. I think there's something like a hundred unique players. It, it's insane. It's an insane, not a hundred unique players. I'm sorry. There's a hundred total players. And then like, I don't know. I'm no, I'm getting all my numbers off now. Um, <laughs> but I, I do know that there's like 22 GMs, unique GMs. And then all, all those GMs have 44, uh, four to five players at their table some even have six um we have games booked all from from friday afternoon all the way till sunday night there's always something going on um we've been talking to some folks about some some giveaways during our opening closing ceremonies we're gonna have uh ask a gm channel open just for general advice throughout the weekend kind of an ama for all the gm gms that are in the community um not to mention all the shenanigans and tomfoolery that will just happen over the course of the weekend. We're going to have some general chats available, and I, I anticipate many late nights of debauchery and insanity. So, so Adam, I pulled up the uh, stats for it. We have 112 unique players. Wow, that's Jesus. Look, look, that's good producer work right there, Josh. That's that's doing that's doing your I gotta, job. I got to got my keep somehow, man. Congratulations, yeah. guys! That that's a huge number. That's so awesome. I I'm, I know we're uh, Griff and I are both playing in different games across the weekend. Super excited for it all, and and su- you know what? Well, proud of you guys. <laughs> proud of you guys. Thanks. Big uh, ass for for online convention, it. making yeah. it happen despite COVID and all this thing. It's gonna be fucking cool. I can't wait. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. And the final thing I'll say about it is that. Uh, the assault on the pools of paradise is shaping up pretty cool, and I'm really looking forward to to that kind of arc going throughout the weekend. Um, and I and I really hope that all of you that have a seat at one of those tables are ready to have a good time because I think it's going to be a cool way to bring some of y'all into the STF canon. You know, like this is this all happens to some degree, you know, in the canon. So it'll be interesting. Shit. I need to make my joke character a lot more serious now. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I got so nervous when he said, this is canon. I was like, is it? <laughs> like, is this really canon? Um, better not die. I have my backup for HGF. And- <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's at least strong headcanon, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so the, the dates for that, uh, they're coming up soon, March 26th through the 28th, mm-hmm. right? And yep. we've got... Uh, I mean, we've got the most games on Saturday, but there's like what six, seven six on, Friday. on Friday, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and the same for Sunday. And we'll have kind of a you know, obviously we're gonna have part one of the uh, assault on the pools of paradise. It's like we're gonna live stream, and part three of that we're gonna live stream. Part two is a bunch of tables that we're gonna run and let you guys be a part of it. Um, we got quite a few systems represented too. You we know. do. We do. Um, 
I know we, I mean, we've got Starfinder, obviously, Pathfinder 2E. We got one Pathfinder 1E game. Way to go, Allard, representing out there. <laughs> of course, yes. Um, we've got a Black Hearts game going, for, uh, Carly Rae Jepsen RPG. Oh, I mean, what? I did not legitimately think that was going to happen. Yeah, like, I, still I saw think it talked about a, a lot. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I'm, I'm glad that it came together because that's going to be a fun table, whoever is there. That's just going to be a really fun session. And then we do have a couple Delta Green games, which I like to see because that's a fun game. You know, There's um, a Lancer game. There's a yeah, Lancer I'm game. Yeah, pumped so. for that. I watched Pacific Rim last night uh, getting ready for that. I, couple I cannot five wait. A e, couple 5E games. It's going to be cool. It's have you seen the Pacific time. Rim Netflix show? The new one? Not yet. Oh, recommend. <laughs> is it like an anime? Uh, it's yeah, it's kind of like an anime. I mean, it's the animation style is a little off from true anime. It's like yeah. that, like oh, okay. westernized anime. Yeah, it's kinda. like that. It's that weird, like three D ish, two D. I I don't know how exactly. Right, but it's it. but it's animated. It's not live. Yeah, action. yeah, it's animated. Okay. Yeah. Well, shoot, I'll have to check that out as well. Um. So signups are are done. Are we? Are we? Are they officially are- closed? Uh no, there are there are fifth chair slots open in quite a few games. Um, there are no blank tables now, so it's just kind of you know single seats at tables available. But um yeah, as far as as like brand new tables or anything, those those are all locked up. Um, so if you want to get in, and you haven't gotten in. There's there's a couple couple hanger seats. Yeah, you you better but, hop in quick though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think there's there's what maybe like five to uh, between five and ten slots left. Probably not even as much. I mean, Currently, ten. eight empty slots. Eight. Okay. Ooh, this is gonna be so exciting. And honestly, like way bigger than I thought it would be. I, I know I've said that before, but like it's it keeps hitting me the closer we get to it that like man, like we pulled off a pretty big little, you know, a, a pretty big little con event. Well, you yeah. haven't pulled it off yet. Okay. You're right. You're right. You're right. No, I do no, think, no. It's, it's awesome. It's really, uh, awesome. We, we would be remiss uh, if we didn't give a shout out to Veradux for all the help that. Oh, he's absolutely. To, to get this going. Yeah. He's know, been he's, killing it. He, he's really been, been there equal, if not more partner in this than than us you know really helping organize and get everybody hyped and in, in for it so big shout out to him uh I, you know but hell we got a lot to get to man <laughs> yep well uh why don't we let the the hideous laughter boys tell us what's going on in their world yeah sure so um i guess there's there's one really big thing going on for us right now um, we do all our regular shit. You guys, you guys know, right? Thursdays mm-hmm. catch the show. Every other Monday, Zone of Truth. You got a little Patreon content on the off Tuesdays. But what's really, really exciting for us right now is that we are gearing up for our second full mainline adventure path. Um, Griffin is going to be running a few of us through a converted to Pathfinder Second Edition run of Curse of the Crimson Throne legendary legendary paizo adventure path um brought into the 21st century and we are so excited we've got a patreon goal to hit it which we are super super close to and we're gonna have some serious news for that on the horizon so just announced my character today um on all social medias and everything i i beyond excited that's the big thing for me yes yes yeah i mean that's a big one 
I know you guys have played a lot of Winnie in general. I, I'm kind of surprised none of you had played in in that one before, as popular as it is. Curse has been a it's a it's a weird AP to invest in because a lot of people try Rune Lords first. We tried Rune Lords first. Um, you guys played all of Rune Lords. Yep. And usually after Rune Lords, you want something different, and so right. people don't. People don't usually pick Curse to go right after Rune Lords because it's just, it is kind of your classic fantasy, although it is more one setting than Rune Lords is. And so I think it gets overlooked just by the sheer volume of people that play Rise of the Rune Lords first and then their second adventure want to do something weird like Strange Aeons or Random right, Winter right. or something. It's just something a change of pace. Themed. And we, we fell yeah. into that as well. Mm-hmm. I actually, uh, Eric, my first uh, GM had the anniversary edition for it. <laughs> like we were thinking about playing it. And then we started playing dead sons cause Starfinder was new mm-hmm. and we did that. So, uh, it just, the nerve, the absolute the, nerve, Yeah, <laughs> but it ha- hasn't been the right place, right time until now. And I was just thinking about, you know, converting a second dish or first edition adventure to second edition, what's out there and what really isn't being done. Nobody has put out a good curse podcast. It's just a, like yeah. it's cursed. So I hope we break the curse. Maybe it's not. Cursed. Though. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. <laughs> but like well, every show that's is. tried to do it has either stopped or like wasn't you know never maybe. never really took off off the ground. I think there's only one show that I know of right now that's doing it, and they're doing a concept that's so far different from a regular mm-hmm. adventure path playthrough that it it doesn't really feel like much crossover. So uh, we're excited for it. I'm, I'm very yeah. pleased. I mean, I'm excited for it. I, I can't wait to hear it, you know. And uh, are you doing all the conversion yourself? There is a great community out there, Adam, that has most of it converted. So I'm just nice. doing the, um, I guess, the Player tweaks. Stuff. And as, as like, you know, if, if Bestiary 3 comes out, it has a better converted option than, you know, what right. what has been done so far. I'll be changing that stuff up. And I'm doing all of the loot and that kind of thing and i'm fully converting our um our book five because speaking of having played it we all did play book five of it (laughs) oh (laughs) Oh, really yeah we played it as a standalone because it really is kind of a standalone so i'm doing um kind of a homebrewy modulely thing to tie the story together for a book five that's um that doesn't rely so heavily on scarwall since we've all played it Oh, okay. Well, tell me this. So say I'm a listener of Hideous Laughter, but you guys are kind of the only show that I listen to. I'm not like steeped in 1E lore in general. Like what? what's the basic rundown of Curse of the Crimson Throne? Sure. Curse of the Crimson Throne is a corrupt monarchy in a city that already has some really tough problems that it's dealing with. And you as the players are people that are invested in this city and are invested in the success of the city and you kind of watch it deteriorate with a new monarch and you, I mean, there's a lot of parallels to today. There's a lot of like, uh, there, I mean, there's like a quarantine and a plague that happens in the adventure and there's, um, there's a lot of tension between the classes in the city that that gets fleshed out so it's it's a really interesting adventure and it really kind of highlights some some things that i mean we we deal with now 
So it'll yeah, be so it'll be interesting to kind of tread on those issues and hopefully, you know, do them the justice that they deserve without, you know, messing it up. <laughs> yep. Tall order. I'll try and figure it out. Nice. Well, I mean that that's exciting. I'm I'm really excited to hear you guys start that up. Yeah, we're uh we're ready. We're <laughs> we're really freaking close. I'm really excited. Yeah. We're gonna have to announce a launch date soon. So nice. Well, we're here for it. You know it. Okay, so kind of our uh, main topic, main reason for being here is to talk about the project that we do together, which is hideous tomfoolery. Um, so, you know, let's kind of, I guess, for anyone who might not know, we, we can't assume that everybody who listens to Tom Talks is li- listening to that show. So we could give the, the, you know, quick and dirty of what that is and then talk a little bit about like how we came together and what that process is like doing a joint podcast between two different podcasts and the way we, you know, the way, the weird ways we release it and, and put it out there. Um, so Adam, why, why don't you tell me since you're the GM, all right, the, the quick and dirty of what is, uh, what are we playing? You know? Well, uh, so we're playing attack of the swarm. Um, and it kind of came about, uh, you know, Griffin and I, for a while have been talking, you know, sharing GM notes, just like connecting on that level is in, in, you know, whatever, just uh, having conversation. And I was reading through the attack, of the swarm book and I like fell in love with it immediately. I was like, dude, this is so awesome. And I wanted, I wanted to run something and I wanted to, to play with Griffin, Steve and, and um, just do something with hideous, laughter you know in in a way that initially wasn't supposed to be too taxing for either of us you know like uh, that it was intended to be something that we could do with low stress attached to it Um, Mm -hmm. so I I brought it up to I think first I brought up hey do you want to like play a game together you know what I mean and and we kind of talked about that first yeah and we were like well you know, who's going to GM, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. We weren't even talking about recording it. We were just kind of talking about playing. And I was like, well, dude, I just read Attack of the Swarm. And I I think I even said, I just want to run book one for you guys. And yep. we'll see. That's what exactly what happened. That. You were like, book one's so cool. Let's just do book one. And yeah. we were like, absolutely. I, I had just got Attack of the Swarm. And we, when you brought it up, we had been talking about doing it as like our next home game. But it was kind of like on the, on the back end of other stuff and going to conflict with stuff. And we mm-hmm. were just getting into two E. And when you brought right. that up, I was like, Oh, here's our chance. Perfect. Opportunity. Good yeah. Good play. <laughs> there was, there yeah. was a ton of hype back and forth between uh, me and Griff about that AP in general. And then when I got that text message from Griff, like, Hey, Adam wants to play attack of the swarm. You and I was like, fuck yeah. You mean I can do like starship troopers? I'm in. Yeah. And, and, and that's what we did. So I actually reached out to Heath and Emily, uh, cause at the time they, they had the time, um, to do it, you know, and asked if they wanted to, to, to do this. And, and we, it, as I said, it started off no pressure, nothing. We weren't talking about recording it. It was just a chance for us to like get to know each other a little better by playing a game. And so everybody was like, cool. Yeah. I'm on board. And, you know, as I got closer to session zero or session one or whatever, we didn't really have a session zero, but 
the first time that we were going to sit down and play, the conversation about recording it came up and we're like, well, we all have recording equipment. We're all sitting at our recording stations to play this game. Like, let's just record it just to have it in case we want it. Dude, know? and then the, I just, I remember vividly the first episode mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. like your intro in that. And then just like the, the characters all meeting each other and stuff. I was like, right after that one, I was like, we got to find out if we can release this. Yeah. Like well, this right, right away. Mid- like we, I, midway, midway through the episode, Heath was like, well, wait, this is too good. We're going to stop and now introduce ourselves. <laughs> <as> <laughs> if somebody's, somebody's going to listen to this. Cause uh, you know, that's why we didn't have the intro at the, at the start. Cause we weren't planning on releasing it. We were just recording it, but we did, we got through that kind of intro. And, and I think we were all like really feeling it and feeling the vibe. And, and he, you know, Heath just being Heath was like, Hey, wait, we got to stop. We have not properly introduced ourselves. And I was like, oh, well, let's introduce ourselves to the now audience that we want to have listened to, it, you know? Well, was, to, be, fa- to yeah. be fair, we had had kind of the conversation like, hey, well, let's record this. And just in case, maybe down the road, we'll want to release it. So I like just went into it assuming like, okay, well, then we'll record it like we record other things. So then we get 30 minutes into it. And it's like, wait a minute. Nobody knows who we are. Like, what? what we're from, what this project is. So let's, let's do this, you know? And I think it's, it's hilarious that like we do the intros almost halfway through the first episode. Right. <laughs> yeah, that, was, yeah. that was a good bit. Well, then the intros evolved into like kind of a mesh of what your guy's intro is in your show, and what our intro is in our show, right. which is just perfect. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, it, in it just, uh, it, it kept evolving, you know, as we got, more and more into it and like really realized that like we had a, some fun characters and like we, we did have a good report table rapport and like, you know, we all have been podcasting for a minute at that point. So it was, we just came into it naturally and we were having fun because this was just a fun game. You know, there was no pressure on it. And that leads me to why we keep it underground. You know, like if we start trying to push this out as like, a product or, or a, a show that has all the backings and efforts of social media behind it and has its own RSS feed and everything. Like, and I know that that's been a point of contention for a lot of people that there is no RSS feed, but <laughs> every time there's a new batch of episodes, where's the, where's the every RSS feed? single time. Yep. <laughs> the thing is, is once we have an RSS feed, there's no reason not to promote it. And there's no reason not to, to, you know, keeping it this way, keeps it underground in our heads, which is so important to the vibe of the show. You know, and the final thing I'll say about the inception of it and then kind of would t- turn it back over to you, Heath, or the group is that we, we did get about four episodes in and realized there was a pretty significant, uh, significant gap in the group mechanically and also just like, I don't know, just needed a wild card for this, for this adventure, not Although all of you are kind of playing wild, we needed cards, someone with luck. real sex appeals. What you're trying to say? <laughs> well, we got Zach instead. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, by, and by extension, Zach's neighbor. Yes, which, yeah, that's know, right. Yeah, the real sex, the sex appeal, appeal of the show right? for a yeah, long time. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, no, so I, I reached out to Zach and said, "Look, they need they need an intelligence based character here, and I also think you'll really enjoy playing this game." And so we brought him in, and and that's basically how it came together to be what it is now you know 
Yeah. When I think adding Zach was really important because um, even though at that point the players were, you know, split down the middle, half hideous Tom, uh, hideous Tom Foolery, half hideous laughter, half Southern Tom Foolery, it had gotten a little bit tribal in that like Mott and Emily's mm-hmm. characters are kind of like a package deal. You know, yeah, they're mechanically yeah. uh, linked. And then because of that, like, well, okay, their two characters had kind of like lumped off just because of like as a reaction to that, you know? So Zach came in and just fucked everybody's shit up. <laughs> it was just <laughs> like I don't I don't like or trust any of you, so like let's let's hang out and be a party together, you know? Well, and none of y'all liked or trusted him, which helped bond the four of you in in a new way. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I, I And Vinian's kinda crazy too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, just oh, okay. the way he spells his name. Yeah, you know it's crazy with that many Ys. <laughs> and that lack of vowels. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, no true vowels anywhere to be seen in his name. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I mean, it's just... it's It's been a really fun joint project to do. And, like, you know, we don't really get to do it on any kind of regular basis. But when we do get to sit down i mean it's always a riot you know we it's it's always a good time and we end up laughing our asses off most of the time you know unless it's like a really serious episode but have we had a really serious episode <laughs> we've had serious moments there's moments. been serious yeah. moments sure. yeah i moments. don't think there's been an entire episode that was serious yeah. I don't think we're capable of an entire episode that's serious. Yeah, yeah you picked the wrong group not of players happening. if you wanted that. Well, no, but that's also not that kind of AP either. You know, like this AP is is wacky as hell, you know, and um, we haven't got to the wacky parts yet, but like oh boy. we're about to. And it is, is so it's like so the fact that we have a bunch of weirdos and wild cards in the group is is perfect for this AP, even though you guys are kind of antithesis to what the AP wants you to be. But that's been a fun. That's been, that's been <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> well, that's what happens when you start a, a collaborative podcast like this without any intentions of it being a show, and then decide the day of it's going to be a show. Mm-hmm. You know, is that like half the characters show up not actually having built a character for the AP that we're playing? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm just here to be wacky, like Adam said. Yeah. Which I think it's hilarious to me to describe Attack of the Swarm as wacky, considering how heavy the first book is. I mean, it's an entire planet being invaded. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the implications are pretty significant for sure. It it doesn't let up either. Like, obviously, you know, things get a little pulpy and wacky and goofy, especially in our playthrough. But even in book two, like you're dealing with like, Kind of difficult societal issues, refugees pouring into a city that doesn't want them. You've got mm-hmm. like these people that want the swarm to take them over. Like you you really could spin it in a way that really hits hard. Right. Yeah. Well, that's what, I, we're what I was thinking. we're just having the time of our lives. Right. <laughs> like if there was a party that was more committed to like making it more of like a radio drama kind of thing, like th- it would be a great piece of material for that. Explain you know? to me how cleaning up the bird shit fits into any radio well that was that that was a throwaway thing they just put in there because we got to get you we got to get you some xp you know Mm. and we got to humble you um so yeah yeah, i mean adam talked about it a little bit already but i mean my next kind of point was you know from from each of our perspectives like what it's been like doing a joint podcast like how has that been unique um i mean i don't 
you know, I don't know, had you guys done any projects with other podcasts prior to this, you know, like, I mean, realistically, this is our obviously most expansive one. And definitely, I think it was our first, I mean, we may have had like interviewed people yeah. or something, but we've never done like a real playthrough of anything with a fully integrated group between our group and someone else, mainly because like you guys made us comfortable with the remote recording thing. Yeah. I mean, we never did that beforehand. We always record locally. And so doing this, I mean, I was nervous going into this. Like, how do you roll? It completely changes up my role play to not have everybody at the table with me feeding off of my cues immediately. And I think, I think it's turned out really well. But I was definitely nervous about that going into it. And so, yeah, this is our this is our biggest project and our first project because obviously there's not like another Pathfinder <laughs> podcast in Columbus to come hang out in our studio. <laughs> <laughs> if there was, it'd be competition. That's right. right. Yeah, you, you would have already. Sorry, uh, this is our turf. Ohio is ours. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You either, join, you either join the Hideous Laughter Productions or you're out. <laughs> Move to Cleveland. You don't get Columbus. Yeah. Zog turf. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, obviously it was our first real, like, committed. <clears throat> I say committed, but this thing was supposed to start not being committed, but. It became committed. It's fair it, to it say that it became committed. committed. But it, it became it, it committed to seeing the story through. Mm-hmm. Once we were right. all like, once Adam said, okay, I know I said we would do book one and we were all pretty unanimous and no, we want to keep going. I think that's right. when it became, okay, we're going to, we're going to do this. Right. Whether right. it's sporadic or not, we're going to do this. Right. Well, I mean, we, we hadn't done really any kind of joint venture like this before. I think the most we've done is like a couple of us obviously doing interviews on on shows with you and stuff like that, but I know we've also played to rep the failed Fortitude Save Collective. We've we've played in some little one shots with Tyler from yeah. Min Max. Oh yeah. You know, and and that's been really cool, but nothing to this you know, nothing more than like an episode, right. you know, <laughs> than like mm-hmm. a single thing. Um so it's been really cool and like it's just been a cool way to build we already had goodwill, but to continue to build goodwill between two podcasts that really respect each other and, and mm-hmm. you know, as Absolutely. equals and as, as collaborators. I mean, I think, mm-hmm. I think it's very unique. You don't see, you see a ton of crossovers and a ton of like one shot crossovers, but mm-hmm. never do you see a 30 episode run of something that's two groups, two podcasts getting together to do it. I don't think right. I've ever heard of one. Maybe there's one out there, but yeah, I mean, not 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 specifically as saying our two brands are working together. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I've seen lots of like player similarities, like you know, particularly in the five V world. There's you know, there, Matt Mercer has done a campaign with somebody from another show, yeah, and, and done like a you know a thirty to forty episode run. With some with some guests that aren't Critical Role or whatever, but like, it's not advertised as a Critical Role project or a whatever he's running with project. You know, this is we are as very little advertising that we do within our community. You're saying, hey, this is we're both 
this is a joint project. It's in the name, these baby. Two podcasts. Yeah, it is. It's in the name. I mean, I think that's what really sold it. Hideous tomfoolery. Once that dropped, everybody was like, "Yeah." Well, right. Once I saw yeah. the professionally done mashup of our two logos, I knew I was in. <laughs> um. Hey, Steve. That was my third try. <laughs> oh, oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> message any of us by the way we could have got you the transparency but no <laughs> it's better this way no I, I i for those of you who haven't seen it it Adam it's up did now this, on the oh it's up Twitch. now okay perfect yeah, yeah. i'm not i'm not watching the stream i'm just looking at you because i i, I want to look at you um but yeah adam's got the, this this amalgamation of our two logos that's so good <laughs> i really like it <laughs> Oh man! Oh my goodness! Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. The whole process of doing this thing together, kind of back to to Adam's point about like why we keep it underground, is because we want to maintain that kind of like casual vibe that we have. That's mm-hmm. so essential to our our table's chemistry, you know. And like when you have two podcasts who like are you know have communities that follow them and stuff. I mean it immediately gets complicated when you put out a project together and people are like, Oh, are you guys one thing now? Like, are you dating? You know, like, are you guys dating? Are you? did you guys yeah. kiss yet? <laughs> we don't right. like labels. Uh. Yeah. Right. Right. And that's what we're saying here. It's like, we don't like labels. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, but no, it just, it just gets, you know, a little unnecessarily complicated, but also knowing Adam and his, you know, affinity for fish. Like that was kind of the idea that he had, he and I talked about initially was like, Back in the day, if you were like a fish fan before they had like albums out when they were back on tapes, like you had to like be in the know and like do a little work and do a little digging to find that good stuff, you know, and and it built what was cool about it is that it built mystery, you know, it wasn't readily available. It's like, no, like, yeah, you got to do a little bit of work. And believe me, I know I've seen how many people have complained about not having an RSS feed, but like. To be a hundred percent frank, like we don't care. Do the little bit of work, and, and, and you, <laughs> to be honest, though, every time really that don't. comes up, we're just like, it's not fucking hard to go on archive dot com and hit download. It's not fucking Seriously. hard. Well, frankly, right. my dear, I don't give a damn. <laughs> <laughs> that should be the disclaimer of the show. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, but it's true. It's like it, it, I, I think we take a pretty, pretty hard line stance on that, mm. you know, and and it and it's. Well, I, I here's 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 what else I'll say. Like, we are trying to build the hideous laughter brand up, and we've we're launching a new show, and we've got all this other stuff going on. You guys are doing the exact same thing. If we're mm. all in on this other project, it's going to get real messy between the two. It's going to take away from that vibe. And I'm looking forward to like five or ten years in the future when someone picks up our podcast or your podcast for the first time and is like, okay, I'm really liking this show. And then starts listening to the other show because we cross promote all the time. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I really love Southern Tomfoolery as well. Or I really love Hideous Laughter as well. Holy shit, there's a crossover between them. Like Right. Yeah. And then I, that's whoa, what I, it's a full AP. I think I think right. if we if we complete book six, I think we should just do the power move of like, all right. As a gift to Adam, we will pay the RSS hosting fees and we will drop the entire AP at one time. <laughs> one shot. 
Tweet about it one time and yeah. then just let it ride. At, at like so. 102 in the morning. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now, like, and, and then start another show, but not put that on the RSS. Start a whole new archive page. Yeah. I mean, but that going back to what Heath was saying, you know, so much of how I approached um, the podcast and, and building a community really does come from what I learned about being a fish fan, what not to do and what to do, you know, and say what you will about fish. They have made a community, you know what I mean? That is theirs and uniquely theirs and like is a fun thing to be a part of if you're into what they're doing, you know what I mean? And so I learned a lot from that. And what he's saying is finding those Easter eggs, finding those, those mystery things that you have to like have been around a little bit, dig deeper than the surface to find is so rewarding for somebody like me. And I think that's a, like a lot of the people that listen to these type shows, you know, like you want to have a lore or a mythos that you can dig into that keeps going beyond what you see on Twitter, on Facebook, on Reddit, even like that there's something deeper there to uncover. It's like buried treasure, you know, and that's just such an exciting thing, especially for people who love adventure. You know what I mean? Mm. Like that's, I don't know. So yeah. Well, when especially in an age of of instant gratification that we live in, like I think it's even more, you know, awesome and rewarding when you do have little like nuggets that maybe you have to do the barest amount of work to do to find, you know. But like like you said, the the little nuggets that you can find, I think I just think they make it special. And that's why we're and, releasing and the entirety unique. of book three on a thumb drive. <laughs> yeah. It's taped to the bottom of a park bench in Cincinnati. Yeah. There will be a thumb drive scattered, a couple thumb drives scattered around the cities we're near. Yeah, yeah. So the you either entirety- come, you have to kind of come to Mississippi, Louisiana, or Ohio to get book three. Listen, yep. and I can't wait till we get to book six because that's going to be. The entire thing is going to be on 15 VHS that are only audio. Yeah. <laughs> you have to have a VCR. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so, I mean, speaking of, of, you know, kind of how hideous tomfoolery is kind of unique in that way. Also, the release schedule is is really unique and interesting as well because i mean you know kind of the industry standard is is weekly or bi-weekly releases right you you trickle out and build a little bit of hype for the next episode but due to the fact that we you know just have to be able to get together whenever we can to record this show we decided okay well we'll we'll develop little mini arcs and drop like five six episode chunks all at once and mm-hmm. like here you can get your binge fix but then you have to wait and build the the anticipation until whenever that next one is, and it's kind of unpredictable. Right. Um, I think that's been a really fun aspect of this too, you know, is you get a whole chunk at one time. Yeah, I if I were a listener, I'd be I'd be really anxious, can't wait because we don't we almost don't promote that at all. It's just like Adam just like text the group <laughs> this like is the group is hey, Thursday cool? <laughs> Hey, all the new parts are edited. <laughs> Can I drop them? Everyone's like, yeah, sure, go ahead. And then we'll put the word out to folks. And it's like, holy shit, there's like eight new episodes. Awesome. Yeah. Which I love. Yeah. I love seeing our, our discords light up when a new little batch drops because people just eat it up so fast. It's fun, too, yeah. because I just I love everybody that I've ever talked to that listens to actual play podcasts gets so upset when they've caught up. There's mm-hmm. like, there's a magic there. I remember yeah. it. I remember it when, um, 
I don't get it with you guys ever because I think I caught you guys on episode six or seven. Yeah, it was pretty early, <laughs> but like, uh, but there's a there's a magic. I I think I when I started listening to like Glass Cannon, yeah. I think I started listening yeah. to them when they were on episode seventy or so. And so there's a magic there of being able to just like binge that all day if you want to. Right. Like you, there's just it feels like the con the content is just there for you to enjoy and then you catch up to real time and you you don't have that little fix the entire time right. and you uh it it just yeah, becomes more mundane full, that way I think. yeah you go from like a full-on like exposure to drip feed you know and it's like whew, you know? <laughs> it's it's so much more fresh when you binge it i feel like yeah although mm-hmm. you know obviously you you have 30 episodes instead of 70 or whatever but same point. Well, yeah, but like the idea that even we're we're releasing it as mini binges, you know what I mean? Like even people that are caught up now, they're not waiting for one episode. They're waiting for five to six, you know? Mm-hmm. And so when we drop, there's six hours of content, boom, right there, you know? And because this is underground and it's loose, we get to experiment with stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, mm-hmm. if that was... We we don't have enough people listening to comment on whether that's like a great idea or not. But if that was really well received, I feel like that could be something a, a an actually out there podcast could do. It's like okay, well oh, we're gonna be we're gonna be monthly, we but th- we're gonna drop four. Don't think that we haven't thought about that for future content. Yeah, it's, I think it's been a successful way to release things. You know, it it it, it changes up like what he said the kind of status quo a little bit. And you know, might be on. We might be on the cutting edge here. The <laughs> right. We very well could right. be. Well, we're definitely like in the realm of the chaotic as far as <laughs> like release schedules and and recording and stuff. I do, I do think it's interesting. It does free us up a lot as far as like okay, well, look, you know, if we can't record this Monday, well, it's not a big deal. You know, like we'll get together whenever we can. There's there's no pressure at all. I mean, shit, that um, was one of my favorite Saturdays in a while, though, when we did the Saturday one. The I really Saturday I really enjoyed that one, yeah. because sometimes yeah. it's tough because you can't cut loose as much. We normally record them on Monday nights, and it was really fun to get to do a couple on a Saturday, just because yeah. you know we mm-hmm. were we all the stars aligned and we were all free on a Saturday. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's, I think it's as I hope that it's special for the listeners to have it in that way. Obviously, it behooves me to hope that. But I do think it makes it a little more special for us, too, because like this is an event, you know, like it, it anytime we can get together, it feels a lot more like a, a special occasion. Well, yeah, it's like shit. I get you to know? hang out with my friends that I don't get to hang out with all the time. That's right. right. You know, like it, it always makes me sad. No offense to you, Adam, because I love hanging out with you, but it does make me sad when I see Adam more frequently in like GM happy hour than I see the rest of you. I'm like, I really want my fix. He teases me with the GM happy hour. He's there and I get to, I get to be with Adam and I don't get to be with everybody else. Well, he's just there to scoop you up, Griff. What was that? (laughs) He's there. He's there to scoop you up and carry you through those late nights. You know what I mean? That's true. That's true. (laughs) <laughs> it really does come in the clutch when I'm deciding I'm going to stay up till six in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's got to have their person. Oh <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I do hate, I, I always work during the GM happy hour thing. And like that, the FOMO of that irritates me to no end. I've got to tell you, but like I got to work. 
you know? Yeah, yeah. I feel you. Um, well, I mean, any other thoughts as far as um, kind of the release schedule, the the unique aspect of, of doing this project together before we hit our intermission point? I have just a quick question for, for the three of you while I got you here. Yeah. What is what is your thoughts about Attack of the Swarm thus far? Now that you got two books under your belt, like about the the books themselves, the adventure path themselves, what what are you, how are you feeling about it? Oh man, I think book one was exactly what I wanted it to be, and I think all the hype around it is well earned. It was just it was very fun, very thematic, and I just. I loved sinking my teeth into it. It felt it felt so snappy, and it was just go go go. Um, I could see where you know if you're trying to if you're trying really hard to develop characters, it might be a little difficult. I, mean, I think we did a good job of still developing our characters in in that stress, but I can see it being difficult. Uh, and then book two, I mean, Adam, you keep saying that it's like not your favorite thing, mm-hmm. but I had a lot of fun. <laughs> In that, yeah, like, especially glad, especially glad. the spaceship stuff and the you know the glitch gremlins and Lochwort. Like the first part of book two was such a blast, and I think we handled it. I I don't th- <laughs> I don't know that anybody in the history of book two has handled it exactly in that way. <laughs> I have my <laughs> doubts that they did. <laughs> yep. Which I mean was really fun, and it was it was great that we could be creative in that space and you know still pull off a win. It was, uh, I mean, it was just very fun. I I get where like the, the part two, like the best parts about the end of book two, I think were the, the lore bits that we got. Yeah. Um, being a janitor didn't really appeal to me as much, but I think we still, I mean, I had a great time playing in like the burning down building session. Yeah. That, like I just thought that yeah. was really unique for Starfinder. I've never heard of something like that playing out in any of the other Mm. adventures. And it was just, I mean, it's crazy to think about a five-story building or whatever and how you're going to use your space tech as not firefighters (laughs) to deal with that. So, Well, and and we got a couple of different unique um, solutions to that problem. We did. We did. Um, I want to, I'll kind of echo Griff a bit. Like, you know, I can see why people might, might not be as big on book two, but like, I also really, really enjoyed book two. I do think it's kind of all over the place. Um, but, you know, books like that always tell me that the next book is about to be fucking serious. You know, like the next book's about to get into some, some stuff. Mm-hmm. So if you're running around kind of doing some errands a little bit, it's like, okay, well, you know, don't expect this to continue. This, right. you know, these little like odd errands and hobbies that you're going to be be doing for this second book, because whatever the big meat of this AP is is going to start popping off pretty soon in the next couple of books. Right. You know? Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Steve. Oh no, I, I I think I think Taco everybody that that book one was incredible. Exactly what was advertised. Book two, though different, I do think had a lot of. Um, you get out of it what you put into it. Yeah. You know? Right. Like if you really mm-hmm. want to RP the shit out of it, you're going to have a, a blast of an adventure. And even if you just kind of want to coast, you're still going to get some good lore and everything. I think both are really good. I think my, my biggest frustration, and I guess frustration is a, uh, a rather extreme word. Um, so on the general grievous board. 
But yeah, put it on the general grievous board. At least I need to actually make a general grievous board. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. I'll keep True. up with the general grievous board and just the board. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like a, a general of the Confederacy of Independent Systems here saying that um, I'm a little disappointed that the AP goes to level 12. And like, so it's just, I mean, book one gets so intense with like the storm that they're throwing at you. But even still towards the end, you're getting like, little centipedes thrown at you and stuff it's like the 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 planet's getting fucking overrun like Mm -hmm. make me level three and give me something a little bit more challenging you know and not that's not to say that you didn't challenge us adam but like the it didn't it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's scaling the way i I wish it would well i I I kind of wish i'm sorry i was saying don't don't worry it's a it is about to get real serious in that regard good I I personally kind of wish, and I know this is something that I'm sure the writers at Paizo and the and the big wigs at Paizo get just sick of hearing. But like for this adventure in particular, that you're starting out in this like military situation with the planet being overrun or whatever, <clears throat> I really wish you had started at level three and like finished at level fifteen or something. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Right. Yeah, I do. Yes. I do wish they would do that, or or yeah. just like. I wish they would fast track for a book. I wish they would let you do that. You know, yeah, like I, I guess, I guess in first in edition, book, you know, in first edition, there's like slow, medium, fast tracks, but a whole adventure will take one of the tracks. I wish they would like fast track you book one. So you get to like five at the end of book one mm-hmm. and then they yeah. d- dialed it back. And That's a great idea. Yeah, absolutely. We should write, that should be, we should write one. Uh, here, here's my, <laughs> my beef with book two. Um, Overall, there's lots of great parts of book two. Okay. But the, the thing that ties, that's supposed to tie it together, I guess, is, or the main, the main villain, I will say, of book two is the cult. And the cult is just lackluster as hell. It makes no sense. I don't jive with it. I think they're, there's like, I can't get behind their reasoning. Like I, I want them to just fall over on their own faces. Like I cannot invest in them as a GM. And like play them as an enemy because I don't, all their motivations are stupid and right. they're weak too. Like mechanically, they're weak. As I well. definitely noticed that. I just felt like we steamrolled them and I was waiting yeah, for Sister it, Spark to pull something really cool out. Yeah, of it's just nothing, you know, it's just kind of bland and like, I, I don't know. And then so all, all three parts, even the, even the dungeon at the end feels like so overtly stalling. You know, like I get that you have to stall in these types in adventure paths and everything like that. But it seemed it was just like the curtain was pulled to back. It was so obviously stalling, you know, like literally to that was what the first part is, is the ship is stalled in dead space, you know. And then the the (laughs) second part is you're stalled on doing anything regarding the swarm because you've got to be you got to remember what it's like to serve the people, you know. And like, while that did provide a great scenario with the fire, the building on fire. Think about the other two things that you had to do. Do you, uh, there's like no good memory about that. They're just things that you did. I know you I went pulled and out a, a water grapple. tank and then you went and, and, and stopped somebody from a fake bomb threat. Like there's just no. All right. I legitimately forgot there. we did that. The bomb right. threat. No, no. I was in the same boat as you. I was like, what, like, two what other was things? The, no, I, I remembered the, the janitor duty, but I was like, what's the third thing? Yeah. That's what I, I The forgot. only reason I remember it is because I ended the combat with a grapple. Right. That's right. I was like, right. this is sick. I love being a vanguard. 
Um, I will say that like what y'all put into book two made it better. And I think book two was turned out to be necessary for your party to come together. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Particularly the, the low twerk stuff. He was, was the really- big bad of book two. He was the big bad of <laughs> No, no. What it should have been is that it turned out that he was the head of the cult. Like, Honestly, that, not that a bad idea. <laughs> that would have been around. amazing if he was such a dick to you the whole time because he's like he knows you're working for the SDF or whatever, and he's actually the leader of the cult. You know? Yeah, yeah. Have him show well, up in that. Like, even if Sister Spark is the bad guy, have him be like an informant or something. Yeah, like that's good. But. But I guess they don't assume that everybody's going to do what we did with Loachworth, you know, and really bring him to the for- forefront like we did. Really? Yeah. I mean, kudos, Adam, to that character. <laughs> that character. That One was, of my favorite NPC voices of phenomenal. all time. <laughs> for real. Um, okay, so I, I, we've kind of... I think we've been trying to avoid like overt spoilers. We've kind of talked about some of the content of the book or whatever, but before we get to the, the intermission and we'll come back and talk about the swarm and like swarms in general in, in pop culture, I just thought about, I was like, wait a minute. If anybody here hasn't actually started hideous tomfoolery and this is like our, you know, kind of very long elevator pitch, (laughs) um, (laughs) what the, those of us that are here that play characters in it, why don't we give them a quick rundown of like, what's your character? Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So, Steve, why don't you go first? Sure. So, I play the team healer. I am an android mystic, Cora uh, 6, also known as Natasi to Organics. No, you're Natasi, known as Cora 6 to nobody else on the show. Except uh, for the sorry, initiative yeah. tracker. Ex- except for uh, Adam in the first <laughs> yeah, right, five episodes right. just being very confused. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I made some uh, some choices with my name. Um Yes, I am actually playing an archetype, which is something I had never done before in Starfinder. It is the medic archetype, which converts any healing that you do beyond hit points into stamina points. Um, And I paired it up with um, whatever mystery of being a mystic gives you like a burst healing channel. So the the synergy there is incredible where I'll just do it. It's just healer mystic, right? Healer mystic. Healer mystic. There you go. Um, I, I, I do these big burst channels and it spills over into people's stamina points. Great healer build. Um, I cast this character as Daryl Hannah from, um, when she was a nurse in Kill Bill. So she's missing an eye, um, looks in like the full, exactly like her, yeah. exactly like her. I use her, uh, little token in our roll 20 thing. Yeah. I got her holding up the syringe and everything. Um, and uh, she's got a dark past and a dark present. <laughs> True. Uh, just darkness all around. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, that I, healer build is amazing. I just want to say, like, that is such an effective healer. Yep. Heal bot, literally. Quite literally, yeah. yes. A heal yeah. bot. Right. Yes, Android. Um, yeah, and I, I, I actually kind of stumbled into that just as I was, I wanted to play the healer. I wanted to play an Android. And as I started building, I was like, wow, this really works well. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I really like playing her. It's a lot of fun. Nice. Uh, I just want to say, Bippy brought up, and how appropriate is this, that we just did the exact same thing we did in episode one and introduced our characters halfway through the show. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to. Uh, it's fine. So, so what are you playing, uh, Griff? I'm playing Sigurd. He's a Conabo Vanguard. I'm doing. I have the momentum 
um, aspect of my entropy. But he, I think I, I did cast him in the first episode, Dave Bautista. Yes, you did. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, he is just the classic Merc. Like, through and through, at least that's that's how he comes across in the early episodes. He is, you know, kind of foul-mouthed, kind, you know, likes to talk, but really is the frontliner with the shield, uh, pumping entropic energy into the enemies. And uh, he ends up having some very interesting character development, I feel like, and I'm really excited for his character just because he spoiler alert i guess is not the classic merc with a mouth he's mm-hmm. he's a There's little more. bit uh twisted in a way that i don't think he even fully understands and i'm my inspiration for that is really just the idea of entropy itself and the fact that somebody that uses entropy as an ability could potentially be twisted by that chaotic energy and the fact that everything, uh, everything falls apart, uh, could, could really mess with you if that's the main force that you draw power from. So, uh, that's what I kind of leaned into as, as we progress that character. (laughs) Sigurd's great. I love both of your characters. I really love all of the characters. Uh, I probably like my character the least mechanically of any of them. <laughs> um, but I, I play, um, a, okay, so when the, the genesis of this character came from Emily, actually, she's playing a dragonkin who, um, dragonkin have like mechanically, racially, a, like a soul bond or a spirit bond. I'm not sure what the exact correct terminology is but they can bond to another character and mechanically it basically it means like who whichever of the two of you rolls the highest initiative you both get that initiative so it's just what little, a juicy little ability perks. <laughs> it's it, it has helped her a lot yeah <laughs> um but you can also uh speak to each other telepathically with, within a certain range so um you know, she can't, she kind of put it out there. Like, does anybody want to be my soul bond? And you guys, I think already had characters. And I was like, well, yeah, I'll do it. And <laughs> mm-hmm. so we got, we kind of got together on a call and I was like, okay, so I want to be a cowboy, but I want to be a Pokemon trainer, but I want to be a summoner, but I want to be a caster, you know, like all these different things. So I did that. I'm playing a, a halfling named Tex Arcana, um, who is a witch warper. So he sees into other realities, but it, appears that he for some reason only sees into our real world's actual texas um so that's where all of his inspiration (laughs) comes from and i cast him as a a very small matthew mcconaughey i believe in the first episode um so he's, he's been a lot of fun to play and uh you know basically like i i won't i'll admit i am not overly impressed with the witch warper class i think it still has some work to be done on it or whatever just a little bit of work yes um mm-hmm. uh but because of that i'm still you know i'm still rocking it but i've also really leaned into like grenades and summoning are kind mm-hmm. of kind of what i do the majority of the time with my tiny cowboy pokemon trainer so adam plays the swarm which we Truly. will talk about when we come back from intermission hey that's a pretty good transition I'm working on it, man. I feel feel a little more comfortable having hideous laughter with us this long. But yeah, 
We'll uh we'll we'll come back. We'll talk about the swarm and swarms like in in media and pop culture and and all that good stuff. And obviously, we'll have listener questions and trivia. Hey, hey, welcome back to Tom Talks Alive. Uh, I didn't do that in the first half, so I was contractually obligated to do that this time. You got to get one in every episode. Yeah, yeah, every time. The the over the top alive. Um, a good first half, guys. Uh, real quick, uh, is anybody drinking anything new or are you drinking the same things? I say that really just to talk about what I'm drinking, but if you got something, go ahead. I mean, if you insist, <laughs> you should go. Speaking yeah. of someone who consistently insists things of me, Adam, what are you drinking? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, that's not wrong. Um, I'm drinking a Lagunitas IPA. Classic. Lagunitas? Yep. All right. All right. Yeah. I have uh, switched over to, I believe this is a raspberry tea. Another one of the Trulies. Josh, we're going to forgive you because you're not used to this game, but you have to wait until... The host makes a transition, <laughs> a bad transition from what the last person was drinking. That's cool. Yeah. I'm the producer. I don't care. <laughs> Give this savage. man a little bit of power. Big timing. Jeez, it. Louise. Uh, speaking of someone with a lot of power, Steve, what are you drinking now? My man, I switched over to one of the best beers in the world. I'm drinking a Daybreak by Wolf's Ridge Brewing. Shortly after, I'm going to help Griffin work through this box of Izzy's that we have sitting between us. Is is Wolfridge in Columbus? Like I hear you yeah. guys drinking Wolf Wolf's Ridge a lot. Yeah, it's 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 pretty dead center downtown Columbus, about and four I, minutes away. Right, and I don't think they really distribute anywhere else or besides here that I'm aware of. Mm. Um, so we're we're hella uh, regional like that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, okay. Support local businesses, uh, y'all. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of someone, I wish was four minutes away. Uh, Griff, what are you drinking? I got a Vizzy this time. It's blueberry pomegranate. And that's one of those combinations that you can't find in other packs. It's just great. Mm-hmm. It's just great. I love it. Specific to Vizzy, huh? Specific to Vizzy. I mean, they should sell those as Sixers. They probably should. I, I, don't, I don't think I've seen a Vizzy Sixer. No, I haven't. I've, I've seen they Tall Boys. M- they might Vizzies. do a Tall Boys. I, I know like the whatever. The mango. Pot, the mango does, yeah. a pine, or, uh, does a Tall Boy. I'm not sure about the blueberry. Just really need some need some real drinkers to figure out their distribution methods absolutely <laughs> well speaking of someone who plays a really tall boy uh fell what or not fell uh josh what are you uh drinking 
I am still drinking Truly Teas, and it's a raspberry. Oh, did I just do this, this twice? Don't worry. No, he, I he stepped out of turn, time. and so we all ignored uh, it. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Now. You've yeah. got you. You threw me off so bad. So, so <laughs> I ruined it for the live show. But you can you can fix this in post. Right? Oh, we're leaving that in, bro. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't think I can fix that in post. This is um, the hideous. And I'm drinking one of the best beers Shit's in the world. Live, this is a daybreak by Wolf's Ridge Brewing. <laughs> oh no. We're in a loop. <laughs> We're in a feedback loop. Um, so I did that all just to say I found two beers today that I thought were uh pretty appropriate to the Attack of the Swarm game. So I have a New Belgium Wild Ride, because it's been such a wild ride. Uh it's their thirtieth anniversary Amber IPA. And it's a seven percenter. Oh boy. I've got a couple of those in the fridge. They're good. Are they? I've never had one. How are they? Find out how it yeah. is, though. Can you rate that yeah. on one to five swarm components? How many components? <laughs> um, I mean, I think I'll give it a th- three components. Is man. It, it's all right. On a scale of kinda, dredger to god component. It's, right, it's right. kind. I don't. I don't know. But it's kind of. I won't lie. It's a little bit bland. Does um, it have a free grab? Uh, free grab. Uh, mm. I will freely grab it to have another sip. How many times does it roll for mind affecting? Right, right. Uh, probably a lot because it's seven percent. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so we were talking about, uh, or we were going to talk about the swarm because Adam plays the swarm in our game. Um, could you, for anyone who might not have listened to the show yet or be familiar with that particular faction, give us a quick, uh, what is the swarm? Well. This the swarm is a um, hive mind race, obviously, um, that does nothing but consume and destroy. Um, they, you know, I'm not often a fan of like mindless enemies that their only purpose is oh, you know violence for violence' sake. But there's something about an insect swarm that is just so classic sci-fi. Uh, and these are, these are all those tropes rolled up into one. You know, you have your Zerg from, from Starcraft. You have your, the most obvious one, um, from, uh, Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers. And there's even like a bits of alien in there because of their, how they evolved to certain situations and, and depending on what they DNA they decide to extract and mix with, they can have different. That's why they're called components because they mix into these different biologies. Right. Well, and, and the swarm kind of, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you, as far as I hate enemies who have a just completely fatalistic motivation, just like we need the entire, all of life to end, you know, Mm -hmm. for, for some inexplicable reason, even though it includes their own lives. I always hate enemies like that, which we were talking about. We didn't like the cult because they're kind of like that, but there's something mysterious and interesting with the swarm because like, we know that they're hell bent on conquering just everything, but there's also some kind of mystery in that, like, it's not mindless. Like, they have some kind of hive mind thing going on, but they don't really engage in, in diplomacy, you know? Like, we have no way to know, like, what is their reasoning or, or what is really going on. And their ability to rapidly evolve to suit their situations is, frankly, just terrifying. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think by book two, we're starting to learn that they do have like a rhyme or a reason. Like there, there is a reason they're going to certain places. It seems like, 
uh, because of telepathic sig- signals and whatever and beacons and how that's tied up in the Sheeran is really interesting. Right. Well, mm-hmm. well, and, and, you know, I don't think this is a massive spoiler. It's probably in the lore in general, but like they, you know, the Sheeran broke off from the swarm. That's why the Sheeran exist is mm-hmm. because they, they separated themselves. And now they're a really friendly folk that have kind of gone all throughout the packed worlds and beyond and ingratiated themselves to local governments and, and local people because they're really useful and, and generally intelligent. Um, but with the swarm, like, when they broke off, like, instead of just carrying on <clears throat> their we're going to conquer every th- everybody kind of trope or whatever, like, they pursued the Sheeran. They were like, no, like, you don't get away from us, you know, which seems inefficient, you know, like. But it certainly implies a higher level of understanding. This right. is This is whatever we don't know about the swarm. It can hold a grudge. Well, well wanna- yeah, well, I was going to say or even emotionality, mm-hmm. right? So maybe a little bit about their origins might might shed some light on this, you know, and this is actually, I think, new information for you guys because it had, just hasn't come up in the game. Oh, um, hit me with it, Sky Daddy. Let's go. <laughs> so, so the swarm were part of a species that were called Kucharns, okay? So they were like a simple, low-tech society of intelligent insects early, early on before they became the swarm. Um, And on their original world, they had a bunch of different hive societies, you know, each, each kind of had their own distinct unified consciousness, culture, society, all that type of thing, you know, but they, they lived all on this one planet. And so they were like a tribal maybe, or, or, you know, kind of in that sense that they all had like ideals that they represented. And of course that then led to skirmishes on the planet and also because they are fighting for resources, one hive ended up like taking over and being the dominant hive. And part of why they were able to do that is that they, this particular hive developed that ability to assimilate DNA and evolve very quickly, very specifically for the needs. And that's when they became the swarm. And nobody really knows where that like enlightenment or that ability came from, like how, how it's been lost since the swarm has become assimilated as it's just one giant, you know, consuming race. And, so that, that was kind of what they did in, in this. There was the original swarm war that's in the lore of Starfinder, you know, that kind of brought the pack worlds and the Vescarium together. And, and the, even that was, was their motivations were pretty much attributed to finding more resources to consume and, and assimilate. What's interesting about the swarm in this campaign is as you said, Griffin, we are starting to find out that they have what seems to be a greater or more specific purpose than just consumption because they are following kind of the same clues and hints that you all are. And so there's, there is a re, there's a reason for the places they're going other than them just being resource rich, you know? Right. It's, it's more of a, a quest or a list of objectives it seems like then just like all right whatever the closest thing is we'll take it out right mm-hmm. to, to some degree 
Right. Can like, can you can you tell me this, Adam? From what you were saying, based on, on your description, the the swarm. Uh, I guess prior to to the current swarm. Now I'm all mixed up with my swarms. <laughs> um, was was the implication that they intentionally like engineered this ability to evolve rapidly or, or I mean, they've lost that information, but I was wondering if there were any implications that you found. Uh, no, not really. You know, it's, it's one of those things that I, that, that between the gap and between it becoming all about function rather than society that it's just lost, you know? And so all, all this information that's known about the swarm that I just said to you was, was done by, was post all this by researchers and historians, you know, who are, who are doing their best to gather what they can about the swarm, but don't have any insight to their minds at that time. Right. I think you can Mm -hmm. speculate that as a, you know, as a divided species, the idea of rapid evolution is not necessarily there until there is a hive mind. And because there's a hive mind, the ability to evolve for, purposes then kind of comes to the forefront and then you see that being an insectoid race has its advantages in the sense that it can rapidly evolve it maybe just didn't because everything wasn't all under one umbrella right well well and and if they were still kind of in their more uh, you know in terms of their origins they're kind of more tribal modes of thinking i would think excuse me I would think that like those kinds of evolutions would make them more tribal, you know, like that it would potentially it would splinter the them, whole yeah. the whole thing, right? But that to your point, like if there's a greater consciousness, and, and we don't even know, we know there's like some kind of hive mind or whatever, but we don't know if there's like a a, a singular, you know, like king or or you know one person that controls all of it or that issues orders or whatever like we we honestly know so little about right. the swarm as players well i will say that you do know that this particular swarm seems to be led by something called the god host what that is specifically it's it's hard to say but there there does seem to be at least at the front of this particular uh assault you know is is this new component called the god host that nobody's ever seen before um going back to your tribal thing is once they became the swarm they lost all emotion you know they they have no emotion and they don't regard each other as family or friends or anything like that you know what i mean yeah, there's no sentimentality and not at all you know like they they're all willing to die willing to kill it without even thought just because they're they're acting as one organism against whatever you know towards whatever goal they're they're heading towards. That's so. why I like to think of the Sheeran as like evolved for a purpose, and then that like got away from the swarm. You know what I mean? Well, they, yeah, they like no, evolved no, and, if and then got like, that emotionality back. Like the evolution of them created something that allowed them to break free. Well, or or uh, you know, an interesting concept to me is like, what if the Sheerans purpose always was to maintain that emotional core so that they didn't just become uh, to me i can't help but think of the swarm in their current state like we're describing them as like they're all just cogs in a in a machine right you know mm-hmm. like they're they're all replaceable parts and what if the sheeran were there to like 
<clears throat> maintain a sense of sentimentality and familial relation. What if the know? Sheeran were supposed to be the diplomatic wing of the swarm? I think that's, I, I don't know this to be a hundred percent true, but I do think that that is very likely the case as, as this evolving. And as soon as, as soon as a component gets the capacity to have empathy for something else, then it's no longer a swarm. And the Sheeran now Hylax has a big part of, of granting Sheeran's the ability to fully separate from the hive mind. But I do think that that absolutely that's where it started. You know, the first origins of the Sheeran must have come from an, uh, an idea from the over, you know, the hive mind to have some sort of like understanding of emotion so they could better take advantage of them and created the possibility for a section of the swarm to then become the Sheeran. See, that's such an interesting concept to me <clears throat> that the utilitarian aspect of it, that like we will evolve something that is more capable of emotion um, so that we can go and, and, <laughs> you know, use diplomatic yeah. relations to just continue to conquer is like terrifying and like super Machiavellian Mm-hmm. And um, indicative and of a hyper intelligence, right? Of a very, yeah, very high level of intelligence from somewhere. Much, much more sinister and creepy than just a wave of clacking mandibles and <clears throat> and chitinous plates right. coming at you. Uh, a kind of bug like looking person that butters you up to receive that killing blow later. Right. Well, okay. So that kind of brings up a, a point that I wanted to discuss a little bit in in a an interesting way. You you said that it's more sinister if they have this kind of intelligence that would use like <clears throat> emotionality and diplomacy as a tool to still do the like you know the conquering and the the evil or whatever. We don't know. We can't inherently say they're evil. Maybe they're right. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but that that is a more sinister thing. Uh, just think of like horror movies and stuff. It's the like psychological part of that horror that I, I think is is more effective a lot of the time than just the the blunt force of something being scary uh physically so i kind of wanted to talk a little bit about like swarms in general in in pop culture um like that was kind of part the next part of the segment i wanted to do is like oh let's what are the what are the cool swarm movies and stories and stuff out there or whatever but now <clears throat> i'm like balancing that with Okay, well, also, do we have examples of swarms that are led by, like, a, a, a hyper-intelligence, you know? Yeah. Um, that that can use sentimentality and use emotionality and things like that. Uh, so so I can actually kick us off here and kind of bridge the gap here. Come on, this dude. This is going to dig really deep into my archives here. But there is a trilogy in old, non-Disney-approved Star Wars lore called the Dark Nest Trilogy where that takes place after the new Jedi order series of books, this giant, giant initiative where long after books or uh, episode six wraps up this invading force comes from outside the galaxy. They're called the use Vong. And there's this giant galactic conflict and they end up wrapping it up. Um, but this trilogy takes place right after, and it deals with some of the fallout of that. Um, this, this war, Jeez, I don't know if I'm going to get all my details right here, but there is a a world that gets disrupted by this invasion 
and they have several different hive minds of creatures called Killix, K-I-L-L-I-K. And some of them are are very industrious and diplomatic and uh, friendly to outside civilizations, but there's like this dark version that none of the rest of or this dark hive that none of the rest of the hives acknowledge even existing so when diplomats from the new republic come there to talk to the killicks that are um, actually interested in having like a diplomatic you know thing this they keep seeing evidence of this dark hive existing but nobody else all none of these other hives acknowledge it and it was always really really creepy and the dark hive like kind of weaves its way into all of their politics and goings on to try and manipulate everything um it's 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 a really really good parallel for a lot of the stuff that we're talking about here I, I did not expect for you to have such an apt uh, Star Wars-based uh, example. You got to expect the I Star Wars-based awesome. examples. Yeah, I, what, was I, what, I what was I thinking, right? Yeah. I think um, the to take a non-insectoid but similar approach, I think the Swarm has some similarities to the great old ones and i would specifically call out shubna grath the um goat in the woods with a thousand young as a similar force where it's it's one entity that utilizes its young in order to uh in order to colonize and take over places and uh where where it kind of differs is that like it would be as if the swarm, like the components needed to be there in order to manifest the, uh, the God host. That would be the difference between the great old one. It's like the great old one needs to use the components in order to form a strong enough foothold in a place in order to manifest itself. And then once it's there creates enough destruction to destroy a planet, but it's like, it's, it's somewhat intentional in that way. And I'm, I'm curious how much of the swarm media as we know it is kind of drawn from those kind of parallels. I think you'll find more similarities to that as we go, as we go on, you know, um, I think if anything, just with the, the kind of vibe and theme of the adventure certainly seems to, draw from some of that you know like uh i think you'll particularly i'm very curious to see what you think about book five when we get to there because uh, uh, there's some well it's not a direct you know one for one kind of old old ones eldritch horror type deal there definitely some seems to be some of that influence none nonetheless you know oh my goodness uh, that that's the great. That's such a good question. I just saw in the Twitch. It's like uh, Bippy said, "This is making me wonder who would win between the Swarm and the Great Old Ones now if they went into like full on war with each other." I mean, I, shoot, we. I think you'd have <laughs> no, a more I mean, fair I fight. Can't, I can't. One Great I can't Old begin One to answer it. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know the answer to that question, but I think that's just kind of indicative of the nature of the question itself. Like, I don't know a lot about the swarm i don't know a lot about the great old ones 
depending on what is out there that I don't know, could be the deciding factor between the two. Yeah, who wins between two unknowable enemies. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, I I don't, I have no idea. I I know, so, like, the Great Old Ones thing, like, I've seen so many, like, pop culture references and stuff that I feel like are on the periphery. Like, Like, I haven't done a lot of, like, actual study of, like, the great old old ones themselves, but that that concept extrapolated out among different video games and books yeah. and all that. Like mm-hmm. I get the general vibe, but that's all I get because like the whole point is that they are <clears throat> mysterious and unknowable, and if you do come to know them, you lose all sanity. You know what I'm hoping is that it's it's a similar concept where the more we come to know, the more it's like. I mean, to to the point we were making earlier, like if they're actually making these informed moves to create the Sheeran and that kind of thing, the more we know, the more it's mind breaking how mm-hmm. intricate and devious this uh, this hive mind is. I will say that if the the Sheeran were were not an anticipated result of anything that the the that they were doing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they didn't make the Sheeran as we know them. You know, they might have just been exploring with the idea of empathy, and that created a component which then, with the blessing of Hylax, was able to kind of found a whole new separate civilization. So, I, you know, that was speculation on my part. I just want to be clear that I'm not. Right. laying down like true true <laughs> for sure well, well, also, we get, also we like get it. sheeran are playable races like they're not right, gonna right, walk right. that back <laughs> well no and like but you know sheeran their their exodus from the swarm is so crucial to their who they are you mm-hmm. know like and it's in and they really take independence and self-identity very seriously because of that you know well, cho- yeah, choice is such a massive thing for them because they accidentally basically broke off from the swarm, mm-hmm. you know, <clears throat> and as as a member of the swarm, like you have no choice. You are told what to do by the God host or whatever, which leads to another question I was going to ask is like, we don't even know. Say we have this God host or whatever. And, and you know, the word God and host together it, obviously, there's an implication there that that may be like the central nervous system, the the like, you know, primary mover of the swarm or whatever. But for all we know, like, could there be a hierarchy of god co- god hosts? You know, like, right. could there be multiple that that control different wings of the swarm? Like, we have no idea. Or mm-hmm. it could be the the trope like we saw in that Star Wars New Jedi Order thing, where the god host Shamur is actually being controlled by somebody else. A great old one. It, yeah. Boom. <laughs> yeah. Not at all Nailed right. it. I, I figured it out. Cool. Yeah. We can Nailed stop. I mean, I have a feeling. I have a feeling that God move on host, to the Sonic RPG. I think the God host is going to be what we end up facing, but I don't think killing the god host is going to stop the swarm 100 percent. yeah 100 yeah, well, well just from a meta perspective i don't think the swarm are gonna go away in terms of being a threat out there in the lore of starfinder even though people have played through this ap right yeah i mean I, well and the thing is is just the inherent nature of the swarm and how they manifest and 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 are is that there is that evolutionary genetic code out there that they can't be you can't undo that 
It's like you know the proto I mean? molecule. You know, like well, it, I kind of you know maybe not quite quite at that level, but in the same sense that like you would have to expunge every DNA strand that's ever been associated with the swarm, including the entire Sheeran race. You know what I mean? Like, and that's not Starfinder. Paizo as a company is not going to do that. Right. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, not going to endorse wholesale. Um, yeah, genocide. You genocide. Know? Yeah. Right. Right. Um, so, I I think what what I really want you guys to take away from that is that there seems to be some specific element of the swarm here that you are facing. Yeah, you know I think I, mean? I, right. I think I was under no delusions that this wouldn't be something similar to against the Aeon Throne. Right. Against the Aeon Throne. It's uh, the title and also just kind of what I assumed was like, you're going to take down the Islanti Empire. No, you're just like dealing with this one little thing you're that's related to You're dealing with one it. fringe like out, yeah. uh, you know, outside of the even normal hierarchy of the Islanti, like right. tiny little moon prison base, and, you know, right. like. And that's kind of where I figure we're going with Attack of the Swarm. Yeah, maybe if it, it is sanctioned by a, a larger swarm presence, but there is going to be one conclusive issue that we are going to deal with i don't know what it is will, yet but we're not well, going mean, to defeat think the of swarm it, or they would have called it, it defeat like, of the swarm defeat of the swarm. I, just, I just think of it as like a faction like this is one wing like one faction of the swarm and maybe hey us to us whatever we do if we end up beating the god host or like stopping this one faction well that's great because that like repels them from this large chunk of like near space or whatever and that's a huge blow to them but that's you know at most 10 percent of their forces or whatever yeah i think what you guys are Um, missing is that you haven't read the title of book six which very clearly is defeat of the swarm (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) Uh, that's not true don't worry defeat Um, of the swarm book six yeah, no. All I, right. The thing is, is think about it, is that there's already been a swarm war in the back lore of this game. Yeah. And here we are again with another swarm threat. So 30, I will, 30 I will, years later. Yeah, I will say that the point of this AP is to stop the current swarm threat. You know what I mean? The current weight, you know, the current influx of swarm, you know. And so that's what you're you're out to do. But what does that mean for the greater universe who knows you know but you 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 are trying to stop this this flare up of of flare up like the swarm i mean paizo is precious with their big bads right i mean Mm -hmm. first edition has three adventures stopping the rune lords and two adventures stopping tarbophon Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah and and they ain't going anywhere it's Just cra- wait till the Aslanti teams up with the swarm and they combine their technology and DNA, dude. It's like, super oof. crazy that the last last book of this AP is called Defeat of the Swarm, and then the first book of Ride Fury or Die is called The Swarm's Back. The Swarm's Back, baby. Right. <laughs> the Swarm's Back. back <laughs> Nothing again. to do with the AP. Just letting us book know. Book one is Oops All Swarm. Oops All Swarm. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Competing it's trucker oops, company, Swarm Incorporated. <laughs> swarm Incorporated. Who are these guys? Swarm <laughs> Transportation. No, it's oops, I'll swarm it again. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so, I mean, look, we dug into a lot more of the kind of more cerebral aspects of the swarm than I expected to with this conversation, which is cool. That's the secret sauce. Like, that's what I want to talk about. But I, I was going to ask about kind of in more general media, like, what is it that 
why is there such a fascin- fascination with swarms like in a in a more general sense not like this version of the swarm because i mean there's tons and tons of movies and particularly b horror movies with swarm based terror elements right i think it's a huge component of that is not necessarily the bug enemy but the fact that the idea of an enemy able to act as one with perfect information and perfect um perfect maneuverability with themselves and perfect communication i mean you you would see it in the reason a swarm is scary is the same reason a necromancer with an army of zombies is scary is because the necromancer is the hive mind and controls all of the zombies. So in in media, the scary part, the scary thing about a swarm is that it can overwhelm anyone so easily because it there's no possible way for free minded combatants to ever be as organized as a swarm. Mm-hmm. Well, so, so, but a lot of like iterations of kind of swarm horror or suspense movies or whatever, there's not like a central controlling entity. Well, right? and those are just big bug movies then. Right. But, the, but there's still, there is a tradition and, and a successful tradition of swarms being something that terrifies us as individuals. You know I mean? The, the, the movie, The Swarm, which was about a, a giant swarm of, of killer bees being an example, there's not like a king bee who's a necromancer who tells them all what to do. It's just a scary bug story, much like uh, arachnophobia, you know, or, or movies freaks. like that. Well, here's 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 one thing about the swarm, and this may or not may or may not speak to what you're saying, Heath. But one thing I think why it's used a lot and why it, it horrifies us as humans in such an appealing way, or, or that makes us like kind of see something in it is that most of the time swarms are about massive consumption. And so it's like a mirror to humans who are massively consuming, you know what I mean? And destroying things as they consume. And so it's like, there's that layer of kind of like, uh, um, warning, uh, that how, how much different are we from a swarm who just lays waste to everything that we touch be- because we need, we have such a desire to consume and, and take all the resources. I mean, most swarms have those, that kind of aesthetic to wherever they go, they destroy and consume all the resources of the place that they are. And, and I think that the, you know, like most really significant horror, tropes or or monsters is really a reflection of a type of monstrosity that human beings can be you know and to me that's i think what really drives swarm stories is this idea of consuming to the point of eradication you know and it's scary because we can see it way too clearly in ourselves you know yeah i think that's a very high-minded answer but i don't 100 percent agree with it i agree with a lot of it but I think there are definite like exceptions to that rule in, in pop media, in pop culture, with like just general like swarm monster movies and stuff. It's not. It's not the like in arachnophobia. It's not that they come through and consume everything, and we can reflect on ourselves. It's that they do physical harm to us, and there's so there's so many of them in a very physical sense. There's so many of them that there's not a way to win and see yourself out of a situation because the terrifying thing about a swarm is that like you as an individual might 
on a good day, be able to fight off four or five different people, 10 or 15 or 20 throughout a day if you're like a soldier and you're dealing with them at one at a time or whatever. But swarms, are it's the overwhelming nature of them that's a very like primal, very physical kind of terror that I think a lot of movies and, and books and stuff emphasize just as often as, as kind of the point that you were making. Well, I think it's kind of one and the same in the sense that that we are the swarm to every other species on this planet. We are the thing that's overwhelming them. Yeah, a wolf or a lion could take us on one-on-one, right? But a, 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 a mass of humans against a lion, which happens on a regular basis, taking that lion down, you know? Well, it's the same reason why a human is a direct parallel to your classic uh, unstoppable serial killer trope, right? The way humans used to hunt was just tire something out. Literally just follow it at a slow pace and tire it out, just like fucking Mike Myers does. Yeah, I just think that, that, I mean, obviously there's just like the inherent surface level scariness of being overwhelmed by insects, you know? Like, and that's real, and that's a, that's a thing that you can use for horror. But I think what makes it horrifying to humans is that we relate it to the, the, our ability to do that. Like, you know, there is not a single other life form on this planet that humans don't swarm over. Yeah. It's, it, I, when I think about the swarm, the, you know, uppercase, the swarm from, uh, from Starfinder, I think a little bit about, I believe they're called necromorphs in uh, Dead Space, where it's not necessarily scary that people are being converted into these giant creatures with claws and that want to come at you and attack you. It's that there are these giant like monolith idols that convert massive amounts of people into those things. And you can very quickly see not only the eradication of self, but the eradication of your entire society. If you die, it's not that big of a deal because you still have like your family's going to grieve over you. Your friends are still going to, you know, talk about you and remember you. But you're talking about complete erasure of the concept of individuality and your legacy. There's a I, I've heard a quote a couple times that you die twice, right? You die once when your physical body leaves this earth, and then the last time when someone you're forgotten. So, yeah, last time someone ever yeah. says your name when you're forgotten. And that makes that second death so immediate. That just if one of those like beacons that turns everybody you know and love into uh necromorphs like shows up in your town done you are you're not only you're not only dead but you are erased effectively from all of history and that Mm -hmm. is what really scares me about uh, a swarm type of enemy is that not only could you die but you lose your identity it's gone so without a higher level like a like a hive mind or like a necromancer with the zombies what is the real visceral difference between a movie about a swarm or a zombie movie and a natural disaster movie because they're the same thing. Yeah, pretty much. Well, no, that's no, that's an incredibly valid point. And actually that's, 
perfect because I was about to bring up that I think in terms of, of movies and cinema and stuff uh, that are more about that, that the swarm doesn't have a, a singular intelligent controlling entity, right? That's just like the swarm, the classic like B movie or arachnophobia or whatever. <clears throat> Those movies are so terrifying. And I don't mean to disagree with Adam at all. Like I, I did, I completely see what you and Steve are both saying, and I 100% agree with it, but I think there is a chunk of of media that just focus on, like, the swarm itself and not something controlling it. Uh, but the, the difference in those movies, I think, is the connection to our humanity is that it's nature rebelling against us, you know? Like, and I think that speaks to something in us very deep and very old, because, I mean, like, you got to look at, I mean, look at the, the biblical, like, the, the locust being a sign of the, the plague and the end times, you know? Like, th this is the notion of the swarm being a sign of the end of the world, the end of all, the erasure of society, right? Like Steve was saying, is so rooted in us in a narrative sense, not in a, like, it's actually happened that many times since, but, like, the stories that we've been told for thousands and thousands of years have implied those things. Yeah. Yeah, I just think, like, you're, you're The Day After Tomorrow is a classic Nature Rebelling Against Us movie as well that has... Pretty right, much yeah, the same like, exact impact as a swarm. Well, well, and, and you I, could say the, the same thing about like about like Noah's Ark or whatever. Right, it's exactly. Like a biblical ancient thing. So, so the scare. I think the scary thing about those types of stories is the is the nature rebelling aspect because that does that doesn't only challenge our own mortality that challenges the entire concept of our existence. If, if nature is, has to correct the fact that all of us exist and and were born and tried to make a society then what we're doing every single day is just on a galactic scale deemed invalid. Which comes full circle to what Adam was just saying. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It well well it 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 messes up our perception of ourselves as superior because of our intelligence, right? Well and that and that's a common trope all throughout literature is that you know, humans viewing themselves as superior because of their intelligence eventually will, you know, you reap what you sow. And nature will show you that it is more powerful than you, whether it be through swarms or through natural disasters or whatever. I mean, plus, if you ever played Pathfinder First Edition and you're level one against a swarm, done. It's the end of the year. It's the end of your world. Oh, just just the the swarm unit, right? <laughs> just anything yep. denoted as a swarm, a swarm of rats, swarm of N nature has decided. <laughs> nature that. decided your players are dead. <laughs> I, I'm really happy with like how kind of philosophical of, of a conversation this turned out to be. Um, but to like kind of get a little lighthearted again, uh, I did want to ask like, do, do you guys have examples of like your favorite? Maybe, maybe I know you guys at Hideous Laughter, you have a, a, a tradition of like watching bad movies with your, your Discord people, right? Like, do you have any favorite like bad swarm movies or, or, or movie like and swarm? technically is supposed to just mean insects but you know i mean like the grander like being overwhelmed by a lot of things particular particularly little things i have two uh my first one i made them watch for uh for book four mm -hmm. of carrying crown uh slither 
It's so I watched Slither with you guys. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It's a. I mean, it's just a classic, and that one is more of a, I guess, hive mindy one. It 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 makes me think more of like a great old one than it does of like bugs, just because it's like an alien entity that's come and reproduced and invaded a town. But one of the just most whack swarm movies I've ever seen is I think the title is literally just Leeches. And oh. it, the premise is that there's there's these guys that went to a lake. They're like high school students that are all doing steroids, and the leeches get like a taste for their blood and get mutated by the steroids. And you have these swarms of leeches coming out of the drains and uh, consuming them when they jump into the water. And eventually, they get strong enough to like get out of the water, and it's futile for the uh, for the group of co-eds to defend against them because they've gone they've, they've gotten huge off of the steroid blood or whatever it's so stupid <laughs> so fucking funny um adam do you have a, a favorite swarm movie it could be a good one or a bad one i, I have really a swarm movie that affected me deeply early in my life um and it might be a out of left field, but the birds. Alfred the birds, okay. the birds. That's yeah, that's a good yeah. one. Good um, answer. That movie has made me terrified of birds. You know, like because I watched it at a young age. Actually, the quick story about it is: I went to London with my dad. He took he took me on a trip, just me and him, to London when I was like twelve. And uh, you know, we went to this wax museum. Because they have they have that in London, it's like a big deal. Yeah, Madame Tussauds, bro. Yeah, and you know where where I stayed in London when I was there abroad. I don't mean to take away from you. I was literally across the street from Madame Tussauds. Is where my fucking dorms were. Um, so we went there, and one of the rooms was a tribute to Alfred Hitchcock, and they had like, you know, the two main scenes from the birds playing on a projector in front of a a wax model of Tippi Hendren, you know what I mean? And, like, I, so I watched that, and I was like, I, I, like, you know, I was 12, and I was like, Dad, are you telling me that there was a horror movie about birds? Come on, that is right. lame. That's lame. <laughs> He's like, oh, no, we'll watch it. We'll watch it. And he, he, <laughs> he showed it to me, and I was like, oh, fuck. I, like, <laughs> never thought I would be – scared of birds but like i was and then the more i found out about that movie and how it was made like they literally locked her in a room with live birds like when we in that scene where she's like kind of trying to bat them bat them off in the room or whatever like that was real yeah <laughs> yeah you know like, oh, they just they just committed hella osha violations <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> alfred hitchcock was a huge piece of shit to his actors yeah he was, a, he was a he was an asshole to his actresses like he he literally <laughs> he, he was the machiavelli of directors <laughs> whatever i mean seriously it was it's kind of fucked up what he did but you know like those screens were real you know yeah and so that's why it was so scary is because like it wasn't cheesy it was like this person that I'm watching is legit terrified because there are birds swarming around her head. You know what I mean? And like, um, and so that, that, that's one that definitely got me. I mean, obviously Starship Troopers is, is just such a, a ingrained part of my personal canon, you know, like, yeah. And then Star, uh, Starcraft. I mean, 
I was a Zerg player in StarCraft. That was that was the race that I played and like I learned the ins and outs of that. And, yeah, and there's so much similarities to the swarm in, in the in this AP into those types of creatures that were in StarCraft. So well, See, you I'm have them all I, over sci-fi media, like the Tyranids and 40K. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. I was just like literally an hour before we got on today. I was just Googling just, just to keep myself, you know, abreast of everything. I saw an article about the Tyranids. There, there's like a, a, is there a new thing with the Tyranids? Like a new ex- expansion or anything? I couldn't tell you. I'm not, I'm not a I, th- I believe player. there is. Let's not go down that rabbit hole. We'll <laughs> let our listeners tell us how horrible we were by not diving right deep into I, the, yeah the, well and and how horribly wrong i was that came out four years ago or something right. um fucking educate me no, then do it listeners <laughs> educate me then don't 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 do it to me do it to griff yeah. um get in his no, dms he was, wants to I hear was, all about warhammer <laughs> <laughs> I, I was glad something like don't some really of my, do that guys sorry okay sorry. I was glad some of my friends played StarCraft because, like, I know the references now. And, like, I tried. I really did. But I hate StarCraft because, like, I'm such a, like, civilization player that I want to just build an empire. I don't want to, like, do the combat of it constantly. But because you and our friend Dane played con- played a lot of StarCraft, like, I at least know the factions and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say my choice for Swarm movie is, have you have any of you seen Willard? Willard? No. Like Willard? with the dog with Elijah Wood? No. Is that the there, wrong there was so so there was a nineteen seventy No, that, that's not what I'm talking about at all. There was a nineteen seventy one movie called Willard, and then there was a remake of it in uh two thousand and three, two thousand and five with Crispin Glover. And it is Willard is this like super repressed um loser like bullied kind of guy who like still lives with his mother and he's, you know, Crispin Glover was like 35 at the time or something. Um, <clears throat> but he, uh, basically tames a shitload of rats and teaches them to become attack rats. Oh God. By <laughs> initially by teaching them how to chew up newspapers and then eventually like, you know, madness ensues in the city because because he gets like rejected by the girl he likes, but he's super, uh, he's a creeper, so she doesn't like him and all this. Uh, yeah, it's it's the great, like, horrible rat swarm movie. There you go. You got your hive That's, mind right look, there. It's Willard. You need, it's you Willard. need to put, you need, we need to do that for, uh, your bad movies thing for Hideous Laughter. Oh, right? absolutely. Just yeah, watch Willard. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I'm glad I can contribute in some way to that. Um, okay, so we, I've got man, a couple that conversation. Too. Oh, what <laughs> you got? It. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Get him, Steve. <laughs> no, it's cool. I was just thinking about the flood from Halo. That's pretty good. Oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Great, I, d- great I did exhaust most of my. Best. Oh, I'm sorry, we don't have time to talk about it, Steve. Oh, but that's all right, good fine, whatever. We'll keep moving. <laughs> keep moving. <laughs> People can need to go to bed. It's cool. Uh, no, I, I exhausted some of my best references. Uh, Dead Space. Um, the I, I think the Yusin Vong from the old Star Wars canon also had some very cool hive-ish trends where they didn't use any technology. Everything they did was grown organically and very different from what the people knew Republic had. So it was really alien and creepy and weird when they came in to take over their planets and erase their past by growing shit all over it. Um 
And uh, yeah, I, I guess uh, I, I also have uh, two movies, one that really fucked me up when I was a kid that I didn't expect me to. My parents had me watch Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which um, I think Cla- classic. Yep, yeah. plays into that loss of individuality and assimilation into a swarm uh, mm-hmm. terrifyingness. And then if you're looking for a really, really good terrifying um, bird movie, like a swarm bird horror movie, um, I would suggest Birdemic Shock and Terror. I knew uh, where you were going with that. It, Birdemic. Yes, uh, Birdemic. As soon as I heard, um, as soon as I heard Adam bring up the birds, I just you know figured I had to let the people know about this movie um, that really takes a hard line stance against climate change. And, uh, <laughs> That's why really, the really, really well done CGI birds. Oh God. Uh, I, I, I did want to earlier assuage your fears, Adam, with the whole like watching the birds thing, and you you said you're still to some degree scared of birds. Uh, the good thing and the thing to comfort yourself is to know that they're all drones now. They're not oh, real right. birds. Birds aren't even real. Right. Um, it's hard to come by uh, points these days. So, <laughs> so somebody brought up um, the Reavers from Firefly, which I, I did want to bring up that like in terms of like the more just physical aspect of the swarm, like something that just overwhelms, overwhelms like constantly to where you can't even deal with it. Zombies are absolutely swarms. Yep. Oh, you yeah. know, like, but, but that's a whole nother conversation, but zombies are obviously humongously prevalent for the same reason as any of these swarm movies we've been talking about, mm-hmm. but they have the added psychological layer of that. They used to be your loved ones. Yes. Well, that, and not many swarms turn you into a part of the swarm. Right, right. They're, they're vampires and swarms. Great. Um, Oh, my goodness. All right, we got to move on. We got to do some listener questions, guys. We have trivia, listener questions, all sorts of shit to do. Wait, people are listening to this? <laughs> There's people here? <laughs> I'm so, just hey, hanging out. <laughs> some of them are actually watching it in real time. Real time. What are you thinking first, Heath? Uh, Trivia or questions? We're going to do listener questions first. Okay. Well, let me get my camera on for this. It's not necessary. Oh. (laughs) All right. No, please do, though. Your mustache is so good. Final Fantasy chat's over. (laughs) It's been over. It's never over in my life. But I will definitely message you about it after this is finished. Speaking of swarms, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. No, don't even stop. He will go. Like, <laughs> not, no. I knew, I knew not he was going to give me the sourpuss face. I'm not taking that bait. I'm not Adam, taking that bait. Adam said, you think this is a fucking game? <laughs> <That's bait. laughs> All right. So listener questions. Uh, man. Uh, so pretty simple one from 10 Lawn Gnomes. Uh, what is everyone's favorite or least favorite or both, I guess, uh, swarm component? I don't even know how I to guess I guess that. that you've one like like ones that you've come across in uh in your game. We haven't come I'm across a, I'm a in whole that to what was the most interesting one. Yeah. Yeah, we had what? Dredgers, the We had Dredgers are the ones that pop up from under the ground, right? Dredgers are the ones they that like fuck attach us up at level you. one. They they attach to you. There was a component at the end of book one that had like an acid cannon as an arm. That was kind of yeah. cool. It's like a hive one, right? That had like dredgers falling off of it. Oh yeah, that was, um, it. That was pretty wild. One. It oh yeah, that was a conversite. 
Um, that was, that one was pretty fun. It just dropped them, dropped that. Dredgers. That would probably be my favorite. Any any swarm component that can create more swarm components would probably be my favorite. Yeah, that's very thematically rich. I'm gonna say my least favorite swarm component is uh, whatever made the Sheeran. <laughs> the entire got swarm. Got yeah, <laughs> really got him. Whatever made slam. the peaceful insects, fuck them. I, I will say that one that created more swarm was my biggest oh shit moment, probably in a combat where I rushed up to it and attacked it, and then it was like surrounded with dredgers. Surprise! <laughs> right? Yep. <laughs> yep. That was good. Surprise, Shoddy. Really that that is built for characters like your Vanguard. You know exactly, Eric. I, I will say that the next time we do one of these this crew will have better answers because uh, as you know, book two really didn't have any swarm and book one was all the low level swarm. So they haven't, they haven't seen it. We certainly haven't gotten to my favorite yet, you know? Um, so pin that question and we'll, we'll ask it that when we do our next one after this, I mean, easily four, my favorite you know? was the fucking warthog fight with this, with the swarm with ship. The, that, was, yeah, that, that was, that was the best. Yeah, with the Fleet Fury. Yeah, that right. That cool. that was fun, but was was the ship itself a swarm? I don't yeah. know. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, well, then that's awesome. Yeah, yes. I'm cool with that. Yes, all the machines, every function of swarm life is done by living biological swarm. See, and that's why I brought okay. up the use in Vaughn. Okay, so that's why the swarm, as we're talking about them, are so different than all of these other versions of swarms and things in media, is that, like... They're, most forms of swarms, it, it, as we see them traditionally, are not like turning into fucking cars and shit. You know, <laughs> like that's pretty hardcore. Oh, I just thought of another one: the faculty. You remember? Did any of you see the movie The Faculty? Which got swarm more questions to do? I'm sorry, that's another. I'm just saying. I've run this show. Shut up. No, that's a great movie. You got to shut the down. That's my second pick. Go you're, ahead. You're swarming. <laughs> <laughs> not. I thought we were right, fighting the warm this whole time. Very confusing, yeah. The warm. Confused. That's it's our, just these warm. That's our job, Griff, to complain about the weather. Come on. The warm. <laughs> uh, next question is from Das Pickle Games. Which player has surprised the most people at the hideous tomfoolery table? Uh, Zach. Which player? Yeah. Well, I would I say was, Zach, I think Zach is, is the most, uh, like unexpected for their character or, or just, we don't ever know what to, what now, Vin's going to do. I think at first Zach was the most surprising and now we've come to expect him to be the, the wild like, card. chaotic yeah. character. So like now yeah. it's not surprising when he does wild card things anymore. Now it's surprising if like, you know, Emily's character does wild card shit. I'll, I'll say just, like, I'm just I'll, answering that question with my answer. I think that Zach is the most in the course of the two books that we've done. As it stands right now, he's been the most surprising. I think I agree with you in character. Out of character, um, when I get the opportunity to play or just have like regular conversations with Emily, she always says some shit that I'm just like, what? Yeah, yeah that's Emily. <laughs> I would agree. Yeah. Out of character. She surprises me is... continuously. Oh, yeah. As, as a human being, yep. yes, absolutely. Yeah. 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 That's still debatable as to whether or not she is, but. Oh, I'm going to tell her you said that. Oh, that was a running ga she'll, like gag for a while. She'll love it. It's Josh. Josh can do also that. In Emily's eyes. It's fine. I don't uh, understand it. So, another question uh, well, from Josapo. Let's give Griff. Give oh, Griff. Sorry. Oh, I was going to say. I think uh, 
over the course of the whole thing. If you haven't listened, Natasi's arc so far has been her her arc. I mean, sure. like her reveals have yeah. been mm-hmm. probably the most surprising and against character or against like your notion of the expectations. Character. Yeah. yeah. Listen to those right, flashbacks, so, please. <laughs> question from uh, Jusapo. Is this whole adventure path secretly a keep Lotrord alive escort quest? Yes, uh, next I question. Well, after they pass that, the torch of Lotrord to I'm me. I'm the most important NPC well, 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 ever to I, exist. I do believe you're at the wrong seat. Lotrord has moved to a part of the party. Yes. Yes. If uh, we thought we could have realistically gotten away with murdering Loachworth, we would have done it. They tried to find every possible way to do it, like in fiction that made sense. You know, <laughs> yeah, going because because, because, because <laughs> yeah. none of them make sense. Even just spacing his ass, and nobody would know. Yeah. Uh, well, that remains to be seen. That's the answer to the question. I whether can't or not wait. Loach. Lodgeworth has more to play in this. Lodgeworth's arc. I'm ready for I'm here for it. <laughs> well, now the thing is, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Now Adam's going to find Finally, bring, bring it back. back you know? We're homebrewing book four, guys. <laughs> Lodgeworth's no, side Lodgeworth's quest. It's weird. Book Lo- four Lo- is called Lodgeworth's Legacy. <laughs> the legacy, no, Lo- legacy of Lodgeworth. The whole thing. Lodgeworth is the new branch of the evolutionary sect of the swarm that can completely like sh- shape change. Yeah. You know, He is the hive mind. Lodgeworth. He's weird. He's the god host. He's the god host. I got a TPK, but everyone's backup character was Lodgeworth. So Uh, so many mint juleps. Follow up to that. Thank you for setting me up with that, Heath. Uh, From Bippy T or Bipolar Pop Tart. How many mint juleps have you had since your Lodgeworth sessions? Zero. I have never had a really movie. zero. Yeah, I've never had one either. Never really? in my life had no, a mint julep. So. Oh, I've had. I mean, I I haven't had more per se. I've had a mint julep between Lochworth and now. They're good. <laughs> They're delicious. Specifically because of Lochworth. I mean, I wouldn't say it was specifically because of Lochworth. I might have slipped into a Lochworth esque accent while I drank one. I mean, I'm just more of a mojito guy, you know. Huh. Yeah, I guess that's where we're different because I like I like the I like the whiskey and a julep. Yeah. All right. So another one uh, from Das Pickle Games. What has been your favorite interaction with a member of the other podcast? So Adam, Heath, uh, favorite interaction with these two guys or others from uh, Hideous Laughter? Yeah. I mean, my favorite is there was a point where we finally got through book one and we got on the ship and we were having a bolt. And uh, my character being the charisma class is like slotted into being the captain though he like we don't have as much a hierarchy like it's not like the captain says we do like we're a lot more egalitarian than that but at one point he came over to like encourage uh uh, Griff's character Sigurd who was on the guns and like I offered him a shot and he like had lit a cigarette and like I poured a shot in his mouth while he like put the cigarettes the cigarettes as we're like lips. shooting like, we the, as, as we were destroying while we're, while we're killing a fucking uh, uh, swarm ship yeah I thought that was really special and, and and you know one of the first times we had really bonded in that way like those those little dumb RP moments of bonding become immensely important later on i'll say for me and this is like a total other side of the spectrum um it's it's one of those things on a personal level where i 
I knew before this moment, but then after it, it was like assured. There was a moment in all the madness of, of 2020 where Griff and I had a really serious talk about some potential futures for his character. And I, and I was worried about something and I, and I laid it out to him and like he laid it back to me with, with some real passion for like, this is, this is where I, where I want to go and this is what I want to do. And being willing to hear that conversation, have the conversation with me and then come to an understanding with each other. Like if there was ever a moment where there was like tension between players or, or people at the table, I think that was it. And the way that it was handled be- between us was so, I just knew that we're, we're good. We're good to go from, from here, you know, and that was an important moment for me as the GM of the table and, and our friendship, my friendship with, with Griffin to, to really solidify that trust of communication between us, you know. What about you, Steve? The, your uh, favorite interaction with one of the Southern Tom Foolery players. Ooh. Or the GM. Well, not the GM. Uh, no, I'm just not me, right? uh, no I, I, I'll say um, I think I'm going to hearken back a little bit to our session one here because if I'm getting my history correct, um, Adam and maybe Emily were on a, a Zone of Truth before mm-hmm. we ever kicked this off. And that was the only time I actually had verbal words with you two. Um, we, you know, we'd been messaging a little bit, shared, uh, shared discords and all that kind of fun stuff. But I had ne- outside of that, I had never really talked or game with either of you folks. And I definitely had never, ever talked to Heath or Zach before our first respective recording sessions, session one, and then later three or four with Zach, um, and I mean, we talked about this a little bit earlier, how about halfway through that first episode, we realized that we kind of hit something special and we needed to be recording this and putting it out. But I think just kind of immediately with those folks, we were clicking and vibing off each other. And I realized very early on that like, yeah, these, these folks are worthwhile to have around. Like they're a lot of, not only do I like their show, but they're a lot of fun in actual person. It's great. So yeah, I, I would say that. And I over the the last couple years that we've been doing this, um, I, I feel like individually, everybody, including the GM, um, of the uh Southern Town Foolery half of this table, um, I, I really deepened my relationship with all of you folks and really sincerely appreciate that because um, you know, we we talk about this a little bit now and again, but I never really expected going into podcasting that I would make actual real friends and we did. So, um, yeah, I, the first, first episode realizing that, yes, this, this is going to pay off and you guys are awesome blossoming into just incredible friendships with you folks. Truly. I'll, I'm, uh, I'll give a, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give, <laughs> I'll give a hideous Tom Foolery moment and then kind of just a broader, broader moment but i think um in in hideous tomfoolery i think the the moments where i get to as sig kind of be the in between because between some of the southern tomfoolery players 
is when I really get like a a fleshed out vibe for each of their characters and how they interact with Sig. I feel like that was most prominent in uh, my interactions with Yavari and Tex on one side and Vin on the other side, because obviously those two groups, if you listen, uh, end up having a bit of bad blood. And um, I fuck Vin. And I think my character is able to like find common ground with each of their characters in a way that that really like I think makes the relationship that much greater that it's not it's not my character taking sides and I can actually like a lot of times we felt like kind of separate <laughs> groups within a party and I feel like um, being able to have those interactions with the parts that felt separate really made Sig who's a character that is like fundamentally broken feel like he was doing something to help. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'll say like outside of that, I mean, Heath and I repeatedly <laughs> stay <laughs> up till six in the morning, mm -hmm. like talking about anything and everything and, you know, opening the floor up to anybody that wants to join us for our late nights. But, uh, you know, that, that obviously wouldn't be something that happened if we weren't really good friends. So I feel like that, I mean, obviously that friendship has developed through this show, but also just through being, having a lot of related experience, just being people in the podcasting space, people that really like Paizo products, people that um, aren't necessarily like, the, you know, we talk, long about how we're not like the the actors that some of these other shows have and like we you know we we have that shared experience of just maybe some imposter syndrome maybe that kind of thing we you know it's it's all kind of it's i mean he's been a great sounding board for me uh even though we get drunk as fucking at six in the morning and whatever uh but i think i think with adam it's been a very um, I mean, it's been a very great relationship just to be able to actually talk to a GM of another actual play podcast. That's, that's something that like not a ton of people are. And I feel like outside of that kind of group, there's not, there's not as much of a shared understanding of just the amount of work that goes into what we do. And it's been like the most valuable thing ever to be able to talk to Adam about these kind of things and vent when I needed to vent and like hear about ideas for episode 100 and that kind of thing. It's like, I'm just, I'm so proud of your guys show. Like I, I know I shouldn't really feel proud, but I, I am because I'm like, I'm so happy that you guys have succeeded as much as you have. And yeah. it's just, it's watching like your friends succeed at this point, which is really nice. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. hundred percent same on that. God, I don't want to ask any more questions. I was, I was joking about that. I was going to cry and now I'm like trying hard, <laughs> trying real hard not to. Oh, I got yeah, more. It, so. runs, it runs deep with the age, with the, uh, with the STF crew. It run, it certainly does run deep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 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 we, and I mean, I think we truly are friends podcasts. Like we're not just like, mutually supportive of each other like we really really 
genuinely care about each other and want each other to have their best selves, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, a, it is a very special thing. And, and I mean, I, I really want to get to the point where like, th- there's kind of a core of the members of H, uh, hideous laughter and STF that have become friends. And then like some of the others like don't know each other as well or whatever. And I really want to get to the point that I know all of you uh, a lot better. Um, because like, I I can't stress this enough. Our like uh, appearance as being like helpful of each other and friends or whatever is not a financial agreement. (laughs) <laughs> you know, like no, no. it is not. <laughs> there's words there mutually no unbeneficial involved, <laughs> right? <laughs> but no, I mean, like it—it it really is such a special thing because, like, it—it it, uh, yes, we hype each other's stuff or whatever, but it's because, like, some of us have made some very strong bonds of friendship, and that is very genuine. Mm-hmm. It's very real, and it's something that that really has become a part of of many of our lives. I mean, that's one of the know? bigger shames of the pandemic is that I know us as two groups would have with barring we were, the pandemic we would have gone we to a couple of times we're supposed to yeah yeah i will never stop being angry about the cons that we lost <laughs> yeah, no. in the pandemic <laughs> lost yeah. it pretty regularly yeah okay all right well that's uh you know honestly we're running a little bit tight on time uh i'm gonna have to wrap that for the listener questions that's all right we got what we got left here Triv- trivia yeah, trivia. I think that's about it. All right. I'm going to go pee. I'm going to tell everybody I'm not ashamed. I'm going to go pee while Heath sets this up. <laughs> <laughs> what really sucks is that I need to pee super bad. Um, I mean, I mean, I can I can put on some uh, really cool right, music. Jo- for- Josh, Josh, just take up two minutes. I, I, okay. I also really need to. Well, then we're peeing too. So I'm taking a pee break. That's what because happens when you friends. go long like this. We've all yeah, synced same. up our peas. That's how. We're so everybody gonna, listening. We're going to FaceTime each other while we <laughs> This This is our cool transition into and out of going to the bathroom. Oh, nice. All right, so the mics are muted right now. Nice. Your cool scene transition came into play. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Yeah. Like, everybody had to pee, I guess. I I really did. I'm going to kill my video because the the trivia is a three-man thing, so I'll let you guys do that with them. Okay. And as soon as they get back at the table, I will uh, go back to... uh, 
We'll just go straight to the trivia card. Straight yeah. to the trivia. Yeah. What an episode. What an episode. This is a good one. Hope they hurry up. It's got another minute and 21 minutes of music before it let loops. Straight up playing elevator music for him right now. Love it. Y'all, y'all, this is our longest Tom Talks yet. You should be. Dude, it's our longest Tom Talks alive. Alive. Yep. Yeah, when I went to go Man, take your piss, back. I looked at my phone and was like, 1044. I need to get the fuck home. Well, the time change didn't help either. No, it really didn't. Uh, but we are back live. Uh, about time for some trivia, huh? Yeah, let's do it. Who's still here? You guys ready to answer <laughs> some trivia questions? Oh, they didn't answer. Well, yeah. <laughs> oh, there's, a, there's a bit of a delay. I know. I know. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, <clears throat> all right. We ready? We doing this? Yep. Yeah. All right. So as always, we're going to have an easy, a medium, and a difficult uh, question for our trivia. Okay. This so, is the start of a new round, right? Oh, yeah. This is a this new is round. Start of a new round. Everybody's and can you, can, you re- can you refresh everyone, uh, Josh, on the, the scoring? Is it one point per or, or do the points increase? Uh, well, everything's made up. The points don't matter except for winning. So Except that they do matter. <laughs> they want to be victorious. No, I, I, I think it was just one point per. It's one point per, yeah. One point per. Okay. So uh, for our easy question, and all of these questions are uh, – Related to hideous tomfoolery. So I apologize if you haven't watched it, but I think we've made several elevator pitches. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, the first question is, what type of creature is Tex Arcana's pet? I know this one. What, what type? Do you? What You're on the show. I hope you do. Is Tex Arcana's pet? I bet pet? you you don't know the answers to some of these coming up. Yeah. I'm I, worried I, now. I've listened to a couple of these Tom Talks Live, and these... These get pretty hard. All right. We have our first two two that got it in the quickest. It looks like Sir Newt and Old Scratch Johnson got in the correct answers. I, I almost don't want to count Sir Newt's. It is spelled wrong. <laughs> Let's give but, it to Oh, I don't know. Oh, you, give Josh, it to him. He's Josh, a good you're the, kid. You're the ruler here. You're the ruling on this. I'm going with Steve. Yeah. All right. So Sir Newt and you, Old Newt. Scratch Johnson get the points for this squawks is the correct he is a squawks which is like a giant it's like it's like a red squirrel mixed with a fox right like the red squirrels being the giant ones because it's pretty big which is really funny because i have like a tuck away pocket for this creature who by halfling standards is like a third of his body size (laughs) i didn't realize they were that big i thought they were like little squirrel sized i'm not gonna they're they're big. Damn. I'm not going to let OSJ get away with this just in the Twitch. His answer to your question was Dragon King. I, look, I anticipated <laughs> this. I, I <laughs> knew it was going to happen, and I was waiting to slap somebody's wrist about this. All right? Like, that's not cool. If anybody's <laughs> anybody's pet in that relationship, I'm uh, – our Tex is her pet, right? Yeah. Because it's her soul bond. But they are soul bonded. They are equals. They are, are the best of friends. So no one's a pet. That's rude. It's just rude. <laughs> um, 
Anyways, so for our medium question, uh, congratulations to the two, uh, Sir Newt and who was it? Was it Scratch? No. Yeah, it was. Scratch got the second one? Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> I you were uh, close. The- you just got to be quicker. Got to be quicker on the update. Got to be quicker man. than that. <laughs> Uh, the second question, our medium tier question, is in what episode did Zach join as the character Vin? Episode number. You don't have to give us the title. Episode Yeah, the number, number of the episode. Which episode? <laughs> oh, Look, I told oh. you guys you might not know some of these. You think so? Griff and I are giving each other hand symbols under the table. <laughs> try, trying to remember. Right, just, make, just make sure you do them low enough. We got some answers here. We got four, nine, seven, eight, eight, three. Y'all, we keep going. We don't have two winners yet. <laughs> oh, 69. Brian, you're just killing it on the game here. We got two, ten. We got a five. Keep going, guys. Still looking for two winners here. Got 420. Seppo, I like where your head's at, but you know that's wrong. 420. Four, all, right, all right, all right. Slow down, well, D, all right? <laughs> What are, you, what? What, are you, what are you talking about, man? Far out. Uh, we got four point five, which is not a bad guess. Uh, we're, we're still we're still looking for two winners here. I'm not going to reveal where we're at. So Newt, that can't can't count. just Get give up. all numbers. That's not fair. The point five <laughs> number is pretty good though, because I didn't he show up like way late in an episode. Yeah, like he was all just right, sitting there got, silent for most. We got him. We we got two winners here finally. Uh, yeah, 0.5. The most accurate would be 5.5, 5. but we're going to go with Did 5. Did I have it? You got Boom, it. Yeah. I had it. I thought five, it. So. Yeah, I knew it was around there. So by just like uh, mashing in numbers, Egg, you got a point for that. And I'm going to say that I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt, uh, Bippy T. No, because you put in an 8 before that. So you guys both win by just mashing num- random numbers. Well, no, he did put 5 up above. After yeah, but the then eight. he put 8 before that. <laughs> Yeah. Wait wait a minute. Did he come in at you're saying he came in at the end of the episode is what you're counting? You're counting that episode? What episode did he come in? in? Episode 5 is when mm-hmm. when he mm-hmm. came. Uh, episode 5 is his first real full like he is a member of the party episode. Yes. No. No, episode he 5 is where his ship crashes and he shows up on the end of the back of the uh Humvee the or bridge. whatever. Yeah. So the answer is 5. The answer, the answer is, five is 5 still. That's yes. where he okay. shows up okay. first. Okay, cool, cool. Yes. Ooh, I yeah, was it's, nervous. It's, it's I was weird, like, though, did I get it we wrong? I with Zach for like an hour and a half, and he just sat there quietly until there, it was yeah. his turn. It was, uh, no, Bippy 2 was at the very end of block one. Um, all that being said, Josh, do you have the point counts? I do. All right. Got uh, Bippy T and MP Turp or Egg, as we know him. All right. All right. And that, the hard question. Shit, that all was right. the medium, y'all. My my favorite part of, of any trivia on this show is the hard question. And that, this time, is what was the name of the first commander that the Midnight Squad had? It's a great question. I fucking hate it. it. A good <laughs> the first commander that the Midnight Squad had. That is a, that's a tough one. <laughs> we got Trelax. Shepard. <laughs> Shepard. <laughs> we got Jelda Mark. We got Grellison. We got Sir. Just Sir? Yeah. We got Madam. Uh, sir or Madam. Sir, sir or <laughs> Madam. <laughs> Good answer. Dr. Midnight. Dr. Midnight? Yeah, we're you guys can't play. <laughs> we were named after. General we Disarray. were his squad. We were Dr. Midnight's squad. 
<laughs> God, what um, an edgelord ass name. <laughs> I need to use right, that. So I'm, I'm surprised we haven't. Here's my badge. Okay, I was, I was about to say I'm surprised we haven't gotten a general grievance. <laughs> general grievance. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I'm going to call it here. Only one person gets the points for this one, and that is actually from Calcic Kenneth Kingy. Jeldamark. Jeldamark. Yeah, there we go. Jeldamark. Yeah. Uh, the spelling's not quite right, but you're close. I don't know how you get the Jeldamark It's a hard right. name to, to spell. Yeah. I mean, even Josh didn't get it right. I don't think. I think it's J-E-L-D-A, but I, you know, I'm not I just even. copied what Heath gave me, man. Yeah, <laughs> which, which, no, which is what Adam gave me, to be fair. Well, I mistyped. All right, does anybody so. know this guy's name? <laughs> no, it's Dr. Midnight for the last time. <laughs> His name is Jaldemarek Midnight, and he went to, to med school. No, he, he he's a doctor of art yeah. history. He's a doctor <laughs> of education like Shaquille O'Neal. He's a doctor of education. Uh, so, right, K- and, Kelsey Kenneth Kingy, do we know you by another name? Because I'm not familiar with that name, so we're keeping track here. Uh, are if not, welcome to the welcome to both shows. Yeah, for real. I, I don't think any of us recognize that. Uh, but congratulations on being right on the hard question. Uh, I do. I do want to give one bonus question. I've started doing bonus questions, and I like them. All right. Before you get fun. to that, we have. Uh, Confirmation that this is a new member, I think, to both of our communities. Maybe older in hideous laughter, but Trey Malari. Oh yeah, we oh, know Trey. We, yeah, we know Trey. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, hi Trey. Hey, well, we're we're glad to have you. Uh, I mean, way here to, on, way here to on Tom it. Talks Alive. Although to be fair, I do think that Trey just started the show. What do you mind. mean, first commander? What do you? Oh, <laughs> wait, <laughs> God. Ooh, rude awakening for Trey. <laughs> Sorry, Trey. You get a point, but you also get spoiled. All right, what's the bonus question here? Oh, no. Uh, this ties back to our first question, the easy tier question. We named what type of creature it was, but what is the actual name of uh, Tex Arcana's pet squawks? I know this one. Do you know it? I do know this one. I didn't know the commander name. Oh, come on. He that- says it every episode. No, I know this one. Yeah, that's I, what I'm I know. Saying. I know. Okay. Uh, you were equating it with the well, with right. the commander. Well, that's why I say I <laughs> no, didn't know that difficult. one. But I do know this one, <laughs> okay. and I got excited. That's why I said it was. An right, easy we got question. a couple answers coming in. We got Dallas. We got Billy Gibbons. Jr. Dallas. <laughs> Dallas is a Dallas. good guess. That's a great guess. So I Sam I did Houston. make a mistake <laughs> in Houston. not not naming him. <laughs> More prominent Texans. Ted Cruz. <laughs> Ted Cruz. <laughs> I would never. That's Teddy. That's Teddy. I would never. <laughs> Ted Cruz is Tex Arcana's estranged grandfather. I didn't tell your squawks. You paid like to pee himself because he wanted the warm. <laughs> uh, all right. So we got winners. We got two winners here. We, uh, got- we have one winner. <laughs> okay. I mean, I think it's pretty. It's close enough for comfort here, man. Come on. This is the bonus question. I think the distinction between the second and the first is pretty significant. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is it is two separate people. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'll let you make. Oh, oh, look at that! Look at look at that! I'll let you make the call here, Heath. This is your bonus question. His name is just Billy Gibbons, mm-hmm. not Billy Gibbons Jr. All right, so it looks like Bippy T is the only person who's no Giuseppe dropped in with Billy Gibbons. Well done. Where? 
on my he dropped screen. in with a Gilly Bibbins. Uh, Gilly no, Bibbins. no, no, no. Yeah, Bippy T got him. Billy Gibbons first with no junior. Oh, that's Gilly Bibbins. And he's at Gilly Bibbins. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> no, goodness. No, Giuseppe, you did not. You were trying to be cheeky, you. Were you a little wise-ass and it finally bite, bit you in the butt? Yep, that's what you get. That's, that's what your dad. That's where your dad get jokes get you, Giuseppe. Zero points. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I guess then... I think because it's a bonus question, I will be that asshole and be like, no, you have to technically get it correct. It's a bonus question. You don't get it for junior. All right. Well, then uh, BPT is the only person that gets the point for that one. That's it on the <laughs> trivia, right? Well done. That's yeah. it. That's the <laughs> trivia. Bonus, Old bonus Billy question. Gibbons. How many minutes of downtime in book one did we have because of Zach's neighbor's car? <laughs> oh yeah! How much was hit the cutting room floor? That's an extra hard question. <laughs> Speaking of extra, so a hard. bit of behind the scenes, being Zach's roommate, I would hear it crank up, and then hear him just exclaim <laughs> his frustration. <laughs> Stream of expletives. Yeah, this asshole is at it again. Yeah, All would, right, yeah, go ahead. Look, good job on trivia. For those of you uh, who went ahead and made your mark, got some points. We've got two more trivias in the next two episodes, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, I do want to thank Hideous Laughter, Stephen Griff, for, for being here again. Thank you for having us. Uh, yes. I say again because they did STFU. They've never been on Tom Talks, mm-hmm. uh, and I really appreciate you guys doing that. Um, this show means a lot to me. Obviously, it means a lot to all of us as we all just like had an Oprah-style powwow and almost started crying on each other. <laughs> um, <clears throat> look, uh, if you're not listening to this show and you are listening to both of our shows, just take the next step. What are you doing? Like, what? Are, I mean, what you're you gonna like it. Yeah, <laughs> there's like no it. way yeah. you like. There's no way you listen to either or both of our shows and don't like it. Right. Yeah. And if you're and if you're only listening to one of our shows and you're looking for another podcast, if you're if you're listening to Southern Tom Foolery, you love our stuff, check out Hideous Laughter. They're doing one E. Uh they're doing a great uh horror suspense kind of campaign that, that is is really enjoyable, really pays off in a lot of ways. And if vice versa, if you listen to their show and you haven't checked out ours, first of all, I don't know how you got here, but come on, dude, you already did Brought the work in. of getting to Tom Talks, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know? <laughs> Well, yeah, I think I think that started on Tom Talks Four. First of all, what is wrong with you? Second, no, no, there's nothing to wrong with you. That, that's <laughs> nothing wrong. With I think you. that's so important though is that we we do play different systems on both of our shows. Obviously, they are both Paizo systems, but I think a lot of the hesitation of anyone for crossing over from one show to the other has been the system. And I just want to assuage your fears here that like the table atmosphere is. I wouldn't say the same, but so similar (laughs) that if you like one, you're going to like the other. And the system is not going to matter much to you because the characters are phenomenal. The GMing is phenomenal. It's just going to be a good listen for you. So I, Mm -hmm. I highly recommend giving Starfinder a shot and starting with STF or giving Pathfinder a shot and giving us a shot because Mm -hmm. I think, I really don't think the system matters as much to your enjoyment between these two shows in particular. Yeah, I yeah. agree. <clears throat> Absolutely. And, and you know, I, I can't encourage you enough to check out, you know, anybody that you think you might enjoy, just, just get on it. And you will definitely enjoy one of us if you like the other. 
So, again, thanks, everybody, for being here. Thanks to all the listeners for being here for Tom Talks. Look, I never want to hear anything about either of our podcasts not being generous because we just gave you a whole extra hour of Tom Talks. <laughs> <laughs> On a weeknight. On a weeknight. On a weeknight. Um, not allowed to be yeah. six deep on a Monday night. Well, look, I think there's only one real thing left for us to do before we log off, guys. Yeah. We, uh, we, you got something to say? Because oh. it's, it's the time. Well, we got, well, I was it. just going to say, we got to make sure that we do the hideous laughter sign up, uh, sign off, the, uh, or the hideous uh, Tom Fullery sign off, the combo of the two. Right? Yeah, yeah, like yeah Adam, get it. All right. Well, I need you to finish your drinks because. Hey, we'll see you. We'll see you. I knew it. (laughs) (laughs) Got (laughs) him.